All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here today. This Wednesday, it's 14th of September, 2022. Uh, always a pleasure being with you. Hope you're having a wonderful day or evening, wherever you are. We have a uh, important show, as they always are, uh, but uh, very important lined up uh, for you here today because we're going to dive deeper into the uh, anti-white swamp and all the crazy uh, shit that's happening out there in terms of the uh, their directed hatred against us as a people, the violence against our people, against our children. And some of the footage we're going to look at today is uh, definitely hard to look at, and I don't do it because I want to just grovel in uh, uh, kind of the misery, really, of the situation that we do find ourselves in sometimes. But it's really to make you kind of understand how, how dire the situation is, and it's to kind of put a fire under your ass a little bit to get you to start mobilizing, uh, start, um, you know, activating, uh, do things around in your area, start building networks, start, start talking with people, things like this. Uh, support people out there. There are doing those things as well, uh, things like that. But it's, you know, I want to a little bit later in the show kind of tie it back to, together again and talk a little bit about what we can do uh, about those kinds of things and also what the trends are because it's actually... Despite all the negative things, the trends of where things are going is actually very positive. Uh, but it's important that we continue to point out what the negatives are uh, in order mo to mobilize people to start pushing them in towards a positive direction and doing something about it. As opposed to just, you know, <clears throat> groveling in it or saying, oh, it's all over, you know, kind of thing. Uh, no, no time for that kind of stuff, right? So anyway, a lot of things lined up here today. If you do want to join us during the show, entropystream.live slash TV. We take super chats there. We also go out to two other places. Well, beyond the websites, of course, redice.tv and redicemembers.com. But we also go out to Rumble and Odyssey. Uh, and we do have super chats over there, too. So if you feel so inclined, uh, let me know what you think throughout the show. And I'll read those uh, on the air here as well. And of course, it uh, <clears throat> helps to support the show uh, as well. We have a little... Uh, well, we have, we have a little detail for you. We'll talk about that Friday because it, it it just came before I came on here. But um, we have some stalkers out there. Holy shit. <clears throat> and I don't mean like, uh, you know, what do they call them? A-logs? What, what, what is the term? Like, not, not, not like that. I'm saying like people that are organized against us to try to put a, uh, you know, a kind of a throw sand in the, uh, in the machinery, uh, throw a... Uh, what is a spanner in the spokes? Is that the term? Anyway, excuse my uh, English. So, so not like that, but, uh, you know, people that are, again, we'll go through it further, but, but probably like sending letters as, as soon as we have a little bit of an avenue that opens up for us, that makes things easier for us and for you as well, uh, for those of you who want to be members. Uh, nope, can't have that. But you know what it means? You know what that means? It means they are terrified uh, what we're doing. They are terrified that we will continue to spread the message, continue to awaken people, continue to kind of spur people to organize and do something about it. But the point is, it's unstoppable. And that's kind of a, one of the points I want to make throughout the show here today as well, that the trends in terms of like how kind of many normie tier conservatives are pulling in the direction that we have for, you know, almost soon, not quite, but almost for 10 years now, shows that this is unstoppable. The awakening of white identity and people to begin to organize uh, on a level where we as Europeans, wherever we live on the planet, start looking out for ourselves first, just like all the other ethnic groups do. And it's, this is, that's basically what this is about. 
is about will we begin to organize so that we can ensure that we have a future uh, and that we can stand up for ourselves, help each other out, begin to organize uh, on a group uh, level, essentially. That's what the, that that's a one of the most important keys uh, into not only ensuring, of course, that we have a future, but we also have a a decent future. You know what I mean? All right. Anyway, let me take a couple of these. Uh, Lord Aragon says, uh, here's to the to our hater, haters seed. Well, thank you, Lord Aragon. I appreciate that. Yes, as I said, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, Friday. But it's, yeah, it's, oh, well, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do? In reality, says uh, Red Eyes TV, is, a safe, is safe and effective. There you go. Exactly. We are the, uh, we are the mRNA. You, we are the shot in the arm that you need. Uh, to beef up your immune system, which, of course, at the end of the day, will ensure your survival, right? That's how it works. I like that. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. All right. So, as I said, some things are kind of uh, rough, uh, to be honest, some of the clips, and uh, it's it's hard to watch, but sometimes it is necessary uh, to understand how grave the situation is, but also just to show how, how what, what despair Despicable worms in like the mainstream media that we have and those, you know, in the political sphere and everywhere who's like, you know, again, just from a point of view of hypocrisy and double standard that if some of the things that we're going to show in some of these clips today uh, happened uh, towards, let's uh, say, a, a, a non-white person uh, or a group of, of uh, yeah, one non-white person being subjected to violence by a group uh, of white people, there would have been... I mean, there would have been nonstop coverage. There would have been a dissection on a level you couldn't even believe, right? But just now, because it's happening to white people, they just cover it up. They just let's just omit that if they even are aware of those kinds of things, right? But you know how these things go. Some little Antifa blogger somewhere, they oh look at this thing that happened here or there, you know, kind of thing. And then it works worms his way up, you know, through the mainstream circles, right? It goes from a a Huffington Post and a, and a Daily Beast type outlets, then it's up to you know CNN or whatever from like Antifa type uh, Twitter accounts uh, about whatever. Uh, the activism, whatever the anti-white, anti-Western activism uh, is about, right? All right, um, guys, check out the latest uh, I did on Sweden there, too. It's up right now on RedEyesMembers.com and RedEyes.tv. A uh, little quick analysis of the election. And in fact, just a quick follow-up to that, if you see it, if you did see it. Uh, the Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson is expected to uh, resign, which, uh, which, of course, is good. This is the... Uh, left green uh, coalition that's uh, that has to give way uh, for a very strong Sweden Democrats. Right, they're now the second uh, largest party, uh, which is not bad in 12 years. I made that point in the video as well. Uh, so I won't dwell on that. But it's it's overall it's a good again. It's it's what I want to make you what I want to bring your attention to is what what the, where the trends are going. What which direction does the wind blow? Right. The pendulum is swinging back. And of course, our job is not only to ensure that it swings as far as it can, but how do we stop it from swinging back again? Right? That's what it's about. Stopping this silly game of the back and forths that we're always caught up in, it seems. All right. Uh, Lycan Warrior says, uh, centrism is a political dead end. Being a moderate or middle of the road today is akin to a uh, literal roadkill. <laughs> You're either far left or far right. Well, it's definitely being polarized. And it's not to imply that the solutions are within politics. 
it's not even within the labels. It's not about nomenclature. It's not about ideology. I mean, sure, some things are better than others. Some things are will work better for, for our people, and some other systems might work better for other people. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's that our interests and that our future is being looked after and that we have we create an environment uh, where our kids uh, don't have to live in this way. Uh, you know, speaking to some of the clips we're going to look at later. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's 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 like uh, who's the preeminent uh, fence sitter is got to be someone like Tim Pool. I mean, I guess it's like now he's, <laughs> he's kind of leaning a little bit more, I guess, to like, ooh, GOP or something at least. Right. Uh, but no, that's that's not going to work. And, and in fact, that's also uh, a point that we should remember throughout the show here today as well, that um, it's because of people that initially began talking about these subjects that we now have mainstream kind of conservatives, somewhat normative conservatives, uh, bringing up some of these things and talking about violence against uh, white kids and stuff like that. Uh, it's really thanks to people like uh, like a Jared Taylor or Kevin McDonald or even a David Duke, people like that, that have talked, spoken about this uh, for decades. You know what I mean? And uh, now it's, it's that pressure that's being put on more normative conservatives. And that's why the trends just swing in one direction. This is unstoppable. It is not going to work for them to push back and put the lid on this thing. It's just not going to work uh, for them. And white identity uh, is therefore uh, unstoppable. That's uh, that's one of the positive things here. So before we dive in here, uh, let me show you this too. This is a <laughs> kind of funny more meme thing here. Someone I saw Sarah Hedge. Sarah Hedge posted this too. If you want to find out right now what's kind of <laughs> going on with the what the objective us is, it's kind of this you know stock market this stock market that. But it is kind of funny that it's like they're basically proud of like you know demolishing the whole damn thing at this point. Now this is of course more worrying. And yes, you could say that that latches on from something you know like the stock market, but. Uh, Price inflation, you know, the energy situation, it's like we're at the same time as we have this like absurd activism within the mainstream culture and our elites, uh, anti-white, anti-Western activism, we have just like out of control issues and problems, right? Where we just like, how in the world can they justify spending time on these things as Things are literally being demolished in front of our eyes. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary, to be honest. But uh, no, Biden is doing his job. He's definitely doing his job. Uh, that what that's what he's there for to be the uh, fall the senile fall guy uh, once everything uh, hits the fan. Uh, and this one too, by the way, this is kind of interesting regarding activism. I mentioned the kind of the Twitter accounts, right? Uh, Antifa Twitter accounts, and of course, as we know, uh, Twitter is like a commie cesspool. Apparently, the uh, deal I guess is now going through again with Musk back and forth. Can't keep up with it. Uh, but this is kind of interesting. Thinking about people being doxxed, thinking about how much information actually gets out there about people. I'm sure that the activist at Twitter.com has something to do with this as well. Uh, check out this. Got it. And that means that these 4,000-ish employees would have had access to live user data all, data all over Twitter. They could access individual users' personal information, including their live data. Have I got that right? Yes, sir. If they uh, so they would have access to the production environment. If they spent the time to meander around and look around, they would find that they could access these large troves of data, including geolocation data. Did you testify to that earlier today? Uh, that the, I know that Twitter has IP locations uh, and that they do use uh, geolocation uh, services uh, based upon IP addresses. Wow. Four thousand employees with access to that data. That's extraordinary. So 
those employees would be in a position then, if they wanted to, to get this information and, and dox Twitter users. Is that fair to say? That is a concern of mine, sir, yes. Wow. Um, that's a significant concern. 4,000 people with the ability to dox individual users who pick up the phone and <laughs> use Twitter. Of course. Got it. And, and it's the same thing, of course, with the Facebooks, with, uh, with Google overall. Right? Twitter, Facebook, Google, where, where are some of the other big ones out there? I'm sure TikTok is doing that. You know, this. They have so much information right now that they gather, but they build profiles on people. Oh, yeah, I mean, Facebook, right? I, damn, I forgot. We're even like some the most dangerous individual list <laughs> that Zuckerberg has been keeping, you know, in his uh, in his vault in his basement somewhere. Uh, as we said before, flanked by uh, Heinrich Himmler and uh, Hermann Göring, uh, <clears throat> Henrik Palmgren, right in the middle. That's that's kind of kind of kind of on par. That's how dangerous I am, I guess. All right. <laughs> anyway, so let's begin with a couple of clips here, and. You know, I just wanted to point this out, too, that this is, we see articles when, like, football supporters or fans, you know, they fight, they go to a country or something, or they're in, a, you know, in their country where their team is playing, and they cause a ruckus, they start fighting or something like that. You Normally, you see, like, articles written about this. You know, it's like, oh, my God, the Eng English fans were out fighting uh, they were playing in Portugal. I can't believe it. I actually have that article here later to make that point. But as soon as it's not white people that are engaging in uh, <coughs> uncivilized and, and unacceptable behavior, generally, uh, it's not. It's not that these things kind of catch on or like, well, what's happening here? Why? Why is it? Is, why is there so much violence? Right. A couple of examples. I think the first one is here. Someone's I, differing information here. Doesn't really matter, to be honest. Someone said, oh, this is in Puerto Rico, someone said. And then someone said, no, this is uh, in Providence, Rhode Island. So I don't know which one it is. But anyway, let's uh, let's, be <laughs> let's begin with this uh, little fight here. Uh, a, a random bar fight. I'm not sure if... Th maybe there's a couple of white people in there. What the hell is going on here? Uh, boobs and everything is flying around there for a little bit there, but uh, yeah, just a little, just a little brawl. It's fine, you know. It's kind of fine. Uh, we have another one here from uh, a recent. Let me see here. It's a uh, Carnival Sunrise Cruise. Check, check this out.
right. <clears throat> All righty. And the next one will 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 make that point that I was trying to make here. This is from let's see what was it called again? Uh, Algavi. It's a tourist spot in Portugal apparently. And uh, check out uh, this fight right here. All right, I guess that's Portugal. All right, welcome welcome to Portugal, folks. <laughs> who, knew, who knew, right? And so as I was searching for that, right, Algarve. I, as I said, I, I could find, as a Algarve brawl fight, you know, things like different combinations. And as soon as there's white people involved, there's articles about it, right? Portugal invasion, British tourists riot and brawl in Algarve, police fire shots in clash, right? I think we actually seen, uh, we shot, uh, showed one of these clips, it's like a, a while ago, whatever. Uh, but the point is, it's like that. You know, there's like British tourists riot and brawl, right? How many times have we seen they? Usually it's football fans, but not always. Uh, we've seen that in uh, in France. We've seen it in Spain, some other places like that, uh, the Canary Islands and all kinds of places, right? But I could not find an article about like what's what what is this? Why is there so many fights and why are there so many of these people that are just b- breaking out in uncontrollable f- mass brawls and fights? Can we have a uh, a serious question. Can we have a discussion about that? Can we have some kind of analysis of that situation? Should you be should be worried? Should you, as a white person, be worried? For example, uh, if you find yourself because you know there's trends and stuff, and not everyone is the same, of course, but it's obviously trends trends within you know group behavior and things like that. Can we can we have a discussion about that? No. Okay. All right. Fine. Just just wanted to check. You know, of course, you can't talk about that, right? But of course, it gets worse uh, and uh, <clears throat> and much worse, in fact. Here's a couple of uh, videos here, and uh, but I think for the sensitive, uh, you, you may you might not want to watch this, uh, but it's basically of uh, how white people are attacked by non-white people, and of course, usually not always, but usually it's a whole gang or it's uh, a few people, or at least at the very least, uh, the rest just standing around filming, laughing, and things like this. Right? This the, the, these kinds of clips is just an endless supplies. So it's not that these three are like, oh, look at what I found. Here's something I scraped together just over the last, you know, couple of weeks. And this, no, this is like every other day. There's clips out like this and there's people, the, it does tend somewhat in some cases spread to social media, uh, but never really a big uh, news story or article about that. Here's, here's one example. Oh, God, 
They're lovely people. <clears throat> a lovely bunch. Uh, of course, <clears throat> there's more of that kind of stuff. Uh, two clips here. Hard to watch. Uh, I do admit it. There was a headline actually attached to this on a cell, a local little press. We managed to get a little bit more information and detail. Teenager arrested following video of horrific incident at Westbrook High School. Councilman Mike Getz says. Here's, uh, here's two clips right here. Uh, look at these here. And apparently this is not the first time that these people have been <coughs> involved uh, in these types of violent out outbursts as well. And listen to how they frame it in the video here. I think they're just like, of course, not showing any of that, right? L listen to this here. Hey, it's back to school tomorrow for students at Westbrook, but some parents are nervous after video surfaces of a student being attacked and inside a restroom. Beaumont City Councilman Mike Getz says the student responsible for the viral attack has now been arrested. Getz is now an ambassador for BISD, and he says the district needs to make sure, quote, adult restroom monitors are stationed outside bathrooms. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. That is it. That's all they cover, right? So it's like, can you imagine if there was a white person beating up uh, a non-white person like this and others standing around laughing, right? And apparently, as I said, this is not the first time. Uh, here's another video. Check this out. Uh, apparently, I do believe I could have this wrong, but I do believe it's the same school uh, or, or at least the same area. So I believe that's the same one, Westbrook High School. If someone has more information about that and that's wrong, please uh, let me know. You can send me an email, redasaprotomel.com, set that straight of where that was, but I believe it's the same one. Uh, and someone here, Mike Getz as well, he said, oh, it's not this kid's first rodeo, apparently, right? And that first, I have not followed up to see what happened with that boy, but of course, someone said that he had been paralyzed, the boy we saw. Uh, not this clip, but the one prior to that. Uh, I'm not, not sure. We have to follow up on that and see if there's any more information about that. Um, now, what the, the, the difference here with that clip, <clears throat> as I said, that, that's something that would be shared by, you know, Jared Taylor, maybe, or, or you know, uh, uh, Kevin McDonald or James Edwards, or, you know, there's other people, of course, that kind of uh, specialize in some of these types of stories and, and black on white violence or just uh, when white people are generally attacked. And, of course, we argue, what's, why is this not racially motivated? when every other time when the roles are reversed every single time that is racially motivated and there can be hate crime charges attached to these kinds of things right what i saw is this and it was kind of interesting it's that normie tier you know kind of conservative uh matt walsh tweeted about that the former uh former clip that no one okay that that's that there was two videos okay but he tweeted the point is he tweeted about one of these he said they're forbidden truth here is that you almost never see videos like this in reverse. Very rarely, if ever, groups of white kids mercilessly brutalizing black kids, almost always the other way 
around. We all know that, but we are not supposed to acknowledge it. Uh, 21,000 likes uh, <laughs> and like 5,000 retweets, right? That's good. That means that this is no, no longer just a small faction over here. And it's not to belittle those people that talked about those kinds of things, but I'm saying it's because of people like that that now it eventually has trickled up to like normie tier conservatives, uh, such as Matt Walsh and so many others as well. And you're seeing this with regular intervals right now. Even someone like Tucker mentions the anti-white, uh, anti-whiteness out there, for example, right? Or someone who works at the Daily Wire, and if, of course he's one of my favorite outlets. But that doesn't really matter. As long as it's getting out to a wider audience, that's very, very good. That's what I'm talking about. Things are blowing in our direction. And, you know, I've, I've criticized someone like Matt Walsh in the past. You know, he makes a whole video or he'll, a whole documentary uh, about um, what is a woman, right? And, it, and it's not that that's not a, an important discussion to have. But for a while there, he felt like it was like, no, we should... We should be arguing with some liberal transsexuals or some queer librarian over what a woman is, or, you know, what, what even is a woman, as opposed to helping to create a civilization, a society where our kids don't have to live like this, right? That's ultimately a 10,000 times more important question in this. Uh, I mean, look, the other stuff is also, of course, a threat. The whole transsexual stuff is a, is a threat ultimately. But really what it falls back to is, is things like this. Why do we have to live like this? Why, why is this necessary? What's the point with this? And my argument is it's not necessary. And of, and of course, we should be able to have a divorce if we want, right? Go separate ways. If you don't want to live like that, if you want to solve racism, well, let people self-segregate and have their own areas, own territories, and ultimately, of course, let us have our own countries to avoid these kinds of this kind of racial hatred and these types of attacks. And the fact that someone like a Matt Walsh uh, is opening his, um, you know, his his discussion um, of noticing. The, the the problem he hasn't said what's the solution of course and some conservatives might still fight against that but ultimately this can't go on forever this won't be just business as usual in in five to ten years from now you're going to see a i think a massive um mobilization to begin to try to stop this kind of stuff to try to prevent it from happening to actually standing up for our own first and saying we we and our children refuse to live like this because it's just a non-stop conveyor belt of uh, violence and hatred uh, and uh, <clears throat> an establishment that continuously looks the other way when these kinds of things are happening. When, of course, it happens in reverse, they grant them a, uh, you know, the, the front and center of the media companies becomes a discussion for how do we solve these issues and how do we, how do we battle against white supremacy and right-wing extremism and things like that. And I'm saying, again, if we would have seen this kind of behavior uh, of white kids and white people, you would have that discussion front and center. And they would have said, how do we, how do we solve this issue? Now they have to look for like microaggressions, right? Because there aren't any macroaggressions. You have to go and examine a piece of trash that someone found and said, this is a this is a noose. Someone hung outside a tree. And it turns out after many hours of investigation and thorough going through surveillance cameras and interviewing people that uh, the police found out that ah, it's uh, it's just a piece of trash and you're seeing things, right? The other thing to this as well is, of course, that a lot of people 
should not be in society. People that are prone to violence, people that have prior records, people that have been, in some cases, even convicted or they have um, gotten out later on, right? That they've got a reduced prison sentence. They have uh, gotten out on bail. We've seen so many of those kinds of scenarios lately, too. Listen to what um, the newly elected mayor of, uh, I forget which area. This is in Illinois. I forget what the town is. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's not Chicago. I'll see if I can find it while I play the clip here. Uh, his name is Keith uh, Keith Pecu Pecau. Uh, listen to his little warning here of what the uh, leftist Democrats are seeking to do when it comes to solving criminal justice in in his uh, town, and I think it's statewide too. Uh, check this out. As of January first, twenty twenty three, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. <clears throat> it abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes but isn't limited to kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights, and keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residence or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed, and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park. Oh, sorry, let me finish right there. He said the... the uh Town there, right at the end. This is a massive threat to the residents of Orland Park, Cook County, and Illinois. Orland Park, that's right. It's a war zone full of criminals. Orland Park mayor rips Chicago's public safety, a safe T act. They call it safe dash T act, safety act. Safety, accountability, and fairness, equity today. That's what it is. Release the criminals out in the streets. Arrest mega patriots, send FBI on them, arrest them, uh, you know, do sting operations, hold them accountable, blah, 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 while you let violent criminals uh, out on the streets again. This is, this is incredible. Uh, it, it's just like it's the, it's the recipe for like total chaos, essentially, which they're creating right now. Uh, Archie says, in London, Indians are uh, own more real estate than the English. Whites must form clan-like groups that pool resources to purchase hard assets. We must form and support organizations like the Aryan Defense League. Is there one of those in, in England? Um, I know that uh, the only one I know in England, well, I mean, there's not the group, but it, with that name, is like the uh, English Defense League, but I don't think that was a, it wasn't that great, it turns out, right? It was just anti-Islamic, as far as I understand it, and it was like Tommy Robinson in the center of it. Uh, we must form an international family, like uh, Jewelry in London, New York, and Paris. Propaganda is key. They've had, uh, what do they call it? Shomarim, right? That's, that's just one of these big differences. If you look at, I think it's in London right now, but it's a basically a, I'm not sure if legally you can call it an enforcement arm, but you can call it like a security guard, pseudo um, uh, legal, uh, pseudo law enforcement. I think it's the, the best term for it. Maybe there's another term for it. But we've we've talked about that in the past. Like New York has that, London has that. There's a few other cities I believe that have that. 
which is strictly to police uh, you know, Jewish neighborhoods and 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 keeping riffraff out, and they have like a relationship with the with the police and stuff. And it turns out the head of that uh, shimmering group in New York, uh, he was arrested, I believe, for rape not too long ago. I do believe he's still in jail right now. So that, of course, it turned out like that a lot of those people are actually criminals as well. Uh, but th- thank you, Archie. I appreciate that uh, comment as well. But I think you're right. It, it, this is what I'm, I'm arguing here too, as well, that we have to start cooperating. And working together, and I think that trajectory is inevitable when you look at what's been happening over the last few years. At, at, at some point, this was like very few people in 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 the scope of things that were talking about these kinds of things. But now, because of hard work of so many other people that have gone prior, and of course, again, that have been far more squeezed out, they have been censored, they have been banned for saying these things, they have been uh, hounded and harassed in mainstream media and things like that. They had their reputations, you know, destroyed. The, uh, the, the stage, really, is, is, is laid for a Matt Walsh. And I don't necessarily like it, but at the end of the day, I don't care how it's getting out. I just care that it's getting out. But I'm just saying, you know, a Daily Wire won't be banned, and he can talk about things that other people have been uh, talking about and uh, banned for, in some cases, even far less. So they have a free pass, but look, it is what it is. It's as I said. It's this is not about who. This is about how. <laughs> you know, it's just like that. It, that's irrelevant. But the stage has been set, um, and the wheels are in motion. The wind is blowing in our direction, and slowly through time, because of the insane policies of our governments, because the insane treatment of these things by the media, and of course because of the hatred that has been drummed up against white people. Uh, you will see more and more white people begin to organize, start taking their own side, uh, and start looking out for themselves and saying, "We refuse to live like this. This is we're we're, we're not doing this. We're done. <laughs> that's and that's it. That's all it takes. It's for us to put our foot down and say we're done. We're not doing this, and begin to help each other out. So, you, so you're right about that, Archie. Gunnar says, I had password recovery for Microsoft over four hours on phone. <clears throat> okay, well, <laughs> sorry about that, but thank you, Gunnar. Appreciate it. Um, here's another one. Look at this. Some crazy stuff here. Uh, this is in, let me see here. Here it is. Uh, young California mother beheaded on street identified. New info released on man arrested in attack. And it turns out that this man, just speaking to uh, Keith uh, Pico's warning here in, in Illinois, uh, this person should not even have been out. He, he, was, he was arrested. His name is Jose Rafael Solano. Uh, when he was aged 23, he was convicted of raping an unconscious person under 18 years old. He got no jail, only three years probation. So what happened? Well, he was released and he uh, uh, beheaded his girlfriend. Let me actually import this video here and we can take a look at this. Uh, this is one of those insane stories. Now, of course, she didn't travel in the best uh, circles, and and uh, you, you could you could shift blame and some will onto her and things like that. But you know, whatever, it, it is what it is. Um, the important thing is we highlight this as stories of uh, warning, uh, and also to begin to get people to basically do activism against this kind of stuff. Of like we, these people, these cr- crazy uh, DAs and stuff like that, these Soros, uh, you know, paid district attorneys and stuff and other people in the legal system that are like, oh, we need, uh, you know, we need to solve the criminal justice system. And, and, and their fix to it is basically taking hardcore criminals and letting them back onto the streets again, because anything else would be white supremacy. Anyway, here's the here's the clip. Check this out here about the beheading 
uh, in California. A warning now, this next story is extremely grim and very disturbing. A man beheaded a woman with a sword on the street in the middle of the day in front of witnesses. This happened in San Carlos, that's just south of San Francisco. Reporter Dan Noyes with our Bay Area sister station spoke exclusively with the victim's grandmother and has this report. How you holding up? Danielle Gannon met me outside her home in Vallejo today. I'm vaccinated and boosted and everything, so you're safe. Uh, all right. I guess just uh, just ignore that part. <laughs> Shit. I don't know how to do this. I'm so sorry. She invited me to meet her son, Marty Castro, the father of the victim in yesterday's brutal sword attack, Karina Castro. She was an amazing girl. She's an amazing woman, very stubborn, determined to raise her daughters on her own. Karina was 27 years old, attended Menlo Atherton High School, got her GED, and worked as a DoorDash driver. She left behind seven-year-old and one-year-old girls. She had the youngest with a man now held for her murder, 33-year-old Jose Rafael Solano Landetta. The family says he goes by the name Rafa Solano and that he didn't work. I found some rap songs he posted on YouTube. All right. Great stuff, folks. <clears throat> great. A man of great character, just as the uh, American Naturalization Act uh, wrote about and intended. He is a diagnosed schizophrenic on meds, and he would use that as an excuse for his behavior. He drank excessively, and you're not supposed to do that on those kind of medications. The family confirms what I learned from law enforcement sources yesterday. The Solano had been violent with Karina, and she got a restraining order against him in April, but continued to interact with him. And if there's somebody out there abusing your daughter, don't, take don't let it go. Don't take no for an answer. You will feel responsible no matter what anyone says. I know. I do too, baby. In the day before the murder, Snapchat messages between the couple got very contentious. I obtained more than a dozen, most with language too explicit to show here. She threatens to tell the world about his rape conviction involving a minor. Rafa calls her snitch lip and warns her, F around and find out. Karina fires back. You want to put a target on my back? Your homie's going to know the real you and threatens to expose his sexual relationship with another man. She adds, dude, go ahead and try and take me out. Just hours later, they had hey, a confrontation hey, hey. in the street outside her apartment, her daughter safely inside. He got really mad, went to the trunk of his car, pulled out whatever it was, and killed her right there behind her car. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Get more great ABC7 right. content <clears throat> by clicking the subscribe sorry, me, button for our... Let me lower that guy right there. Okay, so you get the point. I was actually looking for one of the stories out of Germany. It reminded me about that too, right? This, <clears throat> these crazy beheadings. Remember this from Germany? was a man in a, in a uh, I think he was a Syrian migrant. It's funny, I was searching for Germany and beheading, and multiple ones came up. Apparently, the last one is a migrant beheads one-year-old in Germany. Uh, Merkel bans media reporting. This is back from 2018. Uh, I can't even remember if we covered that, but this is the other one. There was a, a man that was killed by a katana, uh, broad daylight, uh, right in the middle of the street. You guys remember that? Pretty gruesome stuff. I won't show any of the video here, too. Uh, but these, these, this is what I'm saying here, folks. The, if if the roles were reversed, there would be nonstop coverage of how to solve this problem, and there would be this kind of soul searching on part of like the people in the media. It's like, what are we doing in our Western countries, and how did this happen, and how do we solve it, and all this kind of stuff. And all we're getting now essentially is just 
silence. It's just cover up or omission. Just ignore it if they even know about it. You might get a little bit of a, a local story like this, but not much, you know, super like, you know, national attention uh, on these kinds of stories. That's how crazy it is. And so again, back to the point, this guy was a convicted pedophile and he shouldn't even have been out on the streets. And we have seen so much of that right now that it kind of it drives us into our other topic a little bit here too when it comes to um, you know the groomers and things like that like all the different how do we put it, all the different categories I guess of just un, unbearable circumstances and unbearable pressure and propaganda and and uh, uh, violence or coercion propaganda that we're subjected to. Uh, there's so many different you know, facets of this, and it all, of course, together creates a picture where we're just like, this is unbearable. We, we should be done and over with this a few years ago, at, at the very least. But for some reason, for some damn reason, uh, we are so, uh, in one way, people are scared, but also tolerant to, to, a, to a point where we are just willing to lose our lives. We're, we're willing to sacrifice the future of our children. And I'm saying at some point, this is reaching uh, a boiling point, a point where basically people don't care anymore. <laughs> people just basically won't give a damn. And you could you could even argue it's a little bit of a stretch. And I'm not trying to argue that the Sweden Democrats is like the a solution to the problem. But it's indicative, again, of the trends and, and, and in what direction uh, the winds are blowing. And they're blowing in our direction where people will begin to become nationalistic again. They're going to begin to stand up for each other. We're going to start thinking as a group and helping each other and acting like a group together. And with all the, you know, the, the, the name calling and the hounding and harassment of people. I mean, there was a time when people were, uh, I mean, and that's, it still happens. I'm not trying to say it's over. Uh, but, you know, they lost relationships because they voted for the Sweden Democrats or it came out that they were supporters of them. There were people that posted a, a, an anti you know, open borders comment on a forum somewhere. And then like a, uh, a television host shows up at the door, you know, uh, people like Robert Ashberg, you might know about him uh, in Sweden. Shows up with the camera crew and like, why did you say this on a foot? You're a bigot. You know, we're going to hunt you and, and harass you. Right. It's this pub, the public shaming. And I'm saying at some point we're reaching a stage and we're right there right now where people just don't care anymore. And that's a good thing. That's very good. That means it's more important to think collectively and, and also stand up for your own interest and your, and your self-preservation than it is to try to be, like maintain some kind of social standing, some status in this society. They're literally like circling the drain right now. And again, we'll, we'll switch over to this other story here. Considering what's happening in schools, considering the literature and the propaganda that people are subjected, subjected to, uh, the grooming attempts, all the pedophiles trying to uh, diddle the kids and stuff. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane that it's taken this long. But we're, we're, we're slowly but surely approaching a point where people are going to say we've, we've had enough. Right. So check out this video here regarding just just another, just another random book, right? That's being promoted uh, to kids right now. Check this out. Oh, look, another obscene pornographic book being distributed to children. Up your bum, you have a prostate gland, which feels nice when massaged. The anus is also sensitive and responds to being played with. So after she's giving a tutorial on sexual pleasure, she also instructs kids to be creative when they explore. 
Now the author is encouraging kids to get online where they're at most risk for sexual exploitation. Intentionally using these quotes is to encourage kids to go online and meet other adults for sex. I've used Grindr. The advantages are that you can get what you want quickly. The downside is that it's the same people repeatedly, so it can get boring very quickly. The benefits are obvious, quick, easy, and uncomplicated sex. It goes on to say, I've met a lot of interesting people through sex apps, encouraging kids to have transactional, high-risk sexual behavior with adults on an adult website. This isn't just grooming anymore. This is encouraging kids to become sexually active with adults. This is sexual enticement of minors. This is promoting pedophilia. Now the author is giving a blowjob tutorial to the younger audience this book was intended for, saying that it's more about sliding your mouth up and down the shaft of his cock. Want to know a secret? Straight people have anal sex all the time, too. Straight men like stuff up their bums just as much as gay ones. Anal sex isn't well, a course. gay thing. Women can pleasure each other in a variety of fun ways. The clitoris really does like being licked and kissed. Let's end this with toys and strap-ons. These people are a danger to children. Yes, they are. <clears throat> but does that stop them from getting access to kids? No, of course not. So this is written by uh, a person uh, called Juno Dawson, uh, which is <clears throat> uh, actually his real name, James Dawson, uh, a British transgender activist and author of young adult fiction. Young adult fiction. See how that works there? No, it's adult fiction, but it's for young people. So it's young adult fiction. It's a, it's a hyperlink on Wikipedia, too. You can, you can click in on that and read more about the fascinating world of young adult fiction. Dawson's notable works includes, and this is the book that the lady here we played a video of brought up, This Book is Gay. I guess for, for once, uh, it, it's a correct diagnosis and accurately titled, Mind Your Head, Margot and Me, The Gender Games, Clean and Meat Market. Sounds, uh, sounds great. Here's the <clears throat> person here, uh, Juno Dawson. Check out this from The Guardian here. Uh, Juno Dawson, teenagers have seen things that would make milk curdle. Uh, it says. So these are the kinds of <clears throat> this is the kind of liter literature uh, that's being pushed on children, or at least it's promoted. It's being recommended to children. Uh, of course, it gets worse. Uh, there's very few institutions that stand against this. It's it, now it's really become like a a, a bottom up kind of resistance movement in in a way truly uh, grassroots. It, it it never is kind of you know kind of bottom. Uh, or, or from the from the uh, from the top down, that's usually how, how you get it, right? But I'm saying the institutions out there that supposedly are supposed to oppose these kinds of things have, of course, been twisted uh, and converted completely, including the church. And in many cases, it doesn't matter which denomination of the church you, you you go down. For the most part, we've seen at least as a beginning step, you've seen the Lutheran Church. That's the more dominant one in Sweden as well. But uh, this has nestled its way into uh, you know, a Catholic, Episcopal. Uh, I'm sure there's Baptist churches that are doing this now, right? There's another one, a Holy Spirit Lutheran Church in Edmonton. What a wonderful day to host our very first drag story time at Holy Spirit. Thanks to the amazing and talented queens and kings at the Imperial Sovereign Court of the Wild Rose here in Edmonton and everyone who joined us to celebrate the love, inclusion and the pedophilia and the and, and welcome Holy Spirit is blessed to share. Uh, I guess this is a Facebook post. <clears throat> More photos coming. Okay. Oh, great. 
So they've like gotten in there and they've, they've, they've turned them, right? They've, they've converted them. And the most weirdly monstrosities and demonic type looking creatures are now getting full access to the kids. Now, again, as I said, there's a healthy pushback. This has become very, uh, a very easy thing, you know, with all the conservatives out there making videos about it. And that, that's a good thing, right? Very easy to criticize this and get like videos that go viral and take off. And I'm not saying it's for, for that reason, but to, but to get that message out that like your kids are in danger. Start homeschooling, get them out of these environments. And if the violence that many of the kids now are subjected to, where white kids are becoming minorities slowly but surely in many of these schools around in the West, then certainly this would do it, right? I'm, I'm sure, look, I'm sure, you know, speaking of the videos we saw earlier, and I, maybe I should have mentioned that comment there uh, at that point, but obviously it's not the kids' fault, right? This is the parents' fault. Uh, it, it's those who are not looking after the kids. They don't understand what's happening. They they do always going to hold the responsibility of like what kind of environment you send your kids to. Who's there? What's the conditions? Is there violence? Does it just happen overnight? I mean, it's possible all of a sudden you get like a bunch of kids coming in. They're bussing in some of oh, this other group in. And all of a sudden, literally overnight, the school turns like into a violent, chaotic, uh, you know, zone of mayhem. That That is, you know, that could happen. I'm, not, I'm recognizing that. But at the same time, usually that doesn't happen. It happens slowly but surely or right? gradually. Which, granted, could be more hard maybe to catch that than immediately. But it doesn't matter. That doesn't change a thing. These parents need to know what the hell is happening in the environments that they're sending their kids to. And if they don't, pull them out. And the other positive thing about this, too, is, of course, after 2020, we've seen like a virtual uh, exodus, to use that word, uh, from public schools uh, in America. In countries such as Germany and Sweden, though, it's not much you can do about it because their homeschooling is illegal. Of course it is. So you like have to be subjected to it. And boring that you're actually moving to a very wide area that's a very wide school, you're going to be subjected to it, which is absolutely horrific. But um, hey, hard times create hard men. Am I right? And sometimes that's just what it is. If, if, the, if our parents uh, won't take the responsibility, uh, then it's basically up to us to, to, to either you know fold or toughen up. That's just what it is. It's very hard. But check this out. Uh, this is one of the fam uh, one of the drag queens that will be performing at a family friendly drag show at the Science Museum in Memphis. Holy shit! Look at this. What do you, what, what is that? What? How does that? How does anybody look at that <laughs> and just like, yeah, that's 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 okay. <laughs> that's that's all right. I mean, in many cases. Again, the parents don't know this is by omission. It's it's a conspiracy of like, don't tell don't tell your parents. You know, you're gonna go in here and you're gonna be someone's gonna a demon's gonna put you on their lap and read a read a perverted story to you about pedophiles and having sex with adults, you know, kind of thing. And but shh, don't tell your parents. You know, we've seen you know, we've seen kind of stuff like that. Uh but this if the, if if anybody sees this, like how in the world does this pass the pass the bar? <laughs> It's it's fascinating, right? Archie says, uh, modern child education books are for teaching kids to fight for their sexual liberation in law courts. <laughs> yeah, the SPLC has a web page of the long historical list of progress in reproductive rights. Oh, is that how they file it under now? Uh, yeah, the the lovely SPLC uh, and the ADL, of course. Thank you for watching, by the way. We'll uh, we'll get to you one day. All right. So here, check this out. <clears throat> Here's another one. This is the, the the crossover of 
the, uh, the, the COVID vaccine and the world of pedos and furries. I, I, I did not know this. I saw these screenshots the other day. Uh, talking mRNA vaccines with a furry microbiologist. It's the crossover event you didn't know that you needed. An interview with an mRNA vaccine scientist who is also a furry. And I bring up the furries, of course, because many of them have been uh, caught red-handed of uh, trying to uh, diddle kids, essentially. Chize, if that's how you pronounce it, has developed a following on Twitter for posting vaccine development and the subsequent rollouts. We got in touch with her to find out more. Thank you for agreeing to talk to us. Blah, blah. Can you tell us about your exciting work as an mRNA scientist? These these are the people now, folks, that are injecting you. The the furry scientists and vaccine mRNA researchers. (laughs) Those 200,000 followers. Holy smokes. What a world. And, of course, uh, it doesn't get better uh, than those who actually set up sting operations. You guys have seen some of those, right? Back to this lovely uh, creature again. Uh, There was recently a clip, you might have come across it, where a pedophile sting operation group, or pedo hunters, I guess they call them for short, um, catches a guy who had been communicating what he believed is with a 13-year-old, and this is what happens next. Why are you here to meet a 13-year-old boy? Why are you here to harass me? Why are you here to meet a 13-year-old boy? Are you trying to prevent me? No, I'm going to stop. Point two three five. I'm a weirdo? Yeah. Why do I have a picture of his asshole if I'm a weirdo? Why do I have a picture of his face? Look at it. Why do I have a picture of his face if I'm the weirdo? He's the weirdo trying to talk to a 13-year-old boy, and you're calling me weird? That's funny. Who's weird? The person that's trying to meet up with the 13-year-old boy or the person that's trying to prevent him? The person that's trying to prevent him or the person that's weird doing it? Exactly. So you should you should decide who's weird here. You weird piece of Please do, I'd rather die. Trying to meet up a little kid. No! What is what is happening here? <laughs> what's what's going on? Can I just go poop? Ah! Ah! Clearly, uh, one of the healthier ones. Calling the police on your dumb. Check this out. This is gold coming up here. Holy shit. <laughs> he's, a, he's a little bit flustered after being caught red-handed trying to diddle the 13-year-old here. Oh but, my uh, God, it gets even yep. better. It gets even better. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Whoa, hit and run. Call the police. 
Call the police! Hit and run! Call the police! Call the police! Call the police! You f***ed up, kid! Call the police! You f***ed up, idiot! Call the police! Be careful! Just call the police, guys. I got the tags. Call the police. Call the police. Call the police. Call the cops, bro. I got the video. You don't need the video. Just call the cops. Last bit here. Check this out. Tactless gun. Ooh. <laughs> Slam dunk. All right. <clears throat> how do you like uh, how do you like them apples? Ay ay ay. The uh, the the jokes uh, write themselves on on an endless conveyor belt. It's a fascinating world out there, folks. <clears throat> and uh, of course, we're we're in a great we're in a great time when uh, when, when this is happening. And of course, you have again law enforcement, right? Think of this like here you have independent people. Now, it it's not that it doesn't happen. We have recently actually was a uh, Disney employee that was uh, caught trying to, uh, uh, you know, I think the the charge was child uh, trafficking, I think, uh, but they were basically trying to diddle kids, right? And they caught them in a sting operation. So it's not that it's not happening, but I'm saying independent YouTube channels that are going after people are making more progress than actual law enforcement and FBI is. Instead, they're going after like trying to steal the cell phone of like the My Pillow guy. Uh, you know, try to charge Trump and set up sting operations for uh, people who are pro-white. You know, these kinds of things. That's how insane it is. It's utterly upside down. And at the same time, as all these things are happening, and as our system is like being dismantled, our economy is collapsing and falling apart, it's this endless supply of like drugs and, uh, you know, cheap, what do you call Yeah, but, I mean, pornography being flooded on the internet, right? But, but the, the whole drug uh, thing as well, <clears throat> where uh, whether it's poor areas, you know, rural areas in, in the Appalachians and the South and stuff like that being flooded by like fentanyl. Uh, and there's so many other drugs, of course, just, you know, not even illicit drugs, but just like over the, over, over the counter in some cases. Check out this one here. Biden admin is placing vending machines filled with drug supplies in rural Kentucky. $3.6 million project will distribute syringes and countries uh, to countries overdose epicenter. That's right. So if that wasn't enough, you can now go to a vending machine. This is progress right here, folks. This is the, the epitome of it right here. Just a vending machine with drugs. The Biden regime is spending $3.6 million to deploy vending machines filled with drug supplies in rural Kentucky, an effort the Biden administration claims will reduce stigma for drug users. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it's about. Not reducing the actual drugs that they're taking or helping them out or maybe asking, why do these people live such miserable lives that they have to drug themselves to escape it? No, no, no. Let's just provide them with syringes. Here's a recent one from Philly. We've shown... Uh, I forget what the street's called in Philly, 
We've shown it a couple of times. Here's a new one from there uh, just a few days ago with the fentanyl zombie hordes. Check this out. Incredible. <clears throat> it's just weird seeing these zombie hordes, right? And, and we have more of that from places like San Francisco. Let me take these real quick here. Uh, Lord Aragon says, it's not Halloween yet, Henrik. No, that's right. We're heading there, though. Uh, it is it is cr crazy times. Mr. Wright. Thank you, Mr. Wright. Good to see you. Uh, says, why doesn't white kids... Uh, why doesn't white kids to feminist mothers teach their boy to menstruate in self-defense? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that might work. I could actually work. You never know. <clears throat> Throw menstrual blood on someone, maybe that would work. I, I don't, frankly, I don't think that would stop people. That would, that would actually attract them. That's what I think the times we're in now, right, right now. If you, uh, if you, if you uh, shed blood or, you know, you, they'll, they'll, they'll come for you. They'll sniff it out. Uh, thank you, Mr. Wright. McDozer says, egg roll got knocked the fug out. That's right. <laughs> nice uh, tackle at the end. I'm not sure what happened there. I'm sure uh, we covered a story in the Weekend Warrior show where this pedophile hunter groups, you know, basically lays it all out there for the cops. And this is in California again. I forget what, maybe was it San Francisco? I forget. And the police, are, no, we can't. Uh, it's very difficult when, uh, you know, individuals, uh, you know, civilians uh, do these kinds of sting operations. And if it's very tricky legally, so we can't touch this. So they release the guy, of course, right? Again, he tried to uh, diddle, some, uh, diddle some kid. I forget what uh, area, what town it was in. Here's uh, wonderful... San Francisco, or as uh, this guy says, here, France, Fran San Francisco. Yeah, Kensington. Is that what it is? This is a San Francisco area, of course, I'm showing now, but the previous video. Yeah, Kensington, I think it is. Kensington and Algamy. Thank you. Njard hat. I think it is. Thanks. Just see here. Let me see if I can find some. I, I just nineteen what fifty? Let, let, let me see here. Who can who can look at this and and just like think anything else than that our civilization has fallen? And again, that's. That's a good thing. If something's, you know, something's falling, push it, uh, as Nietzsche said. Right? That, that this is like th that means you can you can begin begin building something new. I didn't plan to do this, but let's let's see if we can find anyone here. Here's uh, San Francisco, 1955. Let's check out a couple of these and just compare it. Right? It's a bit longer here. There's one was shorter. Let me go forward a bit here then. 
Let's just get a feel, see some of the people and stuff, and like how, how it used to look, right, San Francisco? So we can find some of the people here. It's most, I guess, the environments. We got a we got a we got a polar bear. There's some of the people right here. Look at look at all that white supremacy, folks. Let me let me do the other clip. That might have been <clears throat> a better one. Sorry, this is on the fly here. So thanks for bearing with me here. Here we go. Check this. There we go. There's some people there. <clears throat> look at that. That's uh, that's white supremacy right there, folks. Doesn't look too bad now, does it? You get the you get the idea. It was uh, <clears throat> maybe there's better footage to show, but you you get the point. Just to give you a little bit of a flavor, a little bit of a slice, right? How San Francisco used to look, how beautiful it was, how clean it was, how safe it was. But we're continuously being propagandized into believing that somehow it's much better now. We're so lucky that we're so much more different. It's so exciting now. So much more diverse. All right. Anyway, there you go. <clears throat> Hope you enjoy that. Something on the fly right there. Uh, so again, one reason why I want to play some of that footage is to juxtapose, like, the decline, the attack on our people, and then also, like, how much, how much in badly, in badly need we are of repairing our country. And I'm not saying it's even possible, perhaps, at this point. But maybe we can pull some people out there so salv salvageable and... And do it over again. I, I don't know. You know, the, I, ultimately, I don't have the final final answer to what the solution is. There, do we rebuild? The, the, I'm leaning towards like, did I just <laughs> let's just do this over again? Like we're done. Uh, but you never know. Maybe there's some aspects we can say, salvage or save or whatnot, right? But so a, as all of this is happening, America and the West are pouring, I mean, more money into a country like Ukraine than, than they ever have, I, I think. I mean, Israel is like, I think, the only competitor. Um, as far as I know, I mean, there's been certainly foreign aid in the past. I think if you look at the collective foreign aid of the West to um, to Africa, for example, that's something like 5 trillion US dollars. It's like something like 50 Marshall plans. We talked about that one of the old uh, shows as well. We uploaded that segment to, um, to our channels. Um, 
But so we're being asked as we have this total, you know, kind of collapse, if you will, uh, of places like San Francisco, like Philly. And of course, you can look at any can look at any major uh, European city as well. We've shown pictures from Paris, France, for example, or London, England, or even uh, Amsterdam, some other places, Stockholm these days. Just utter ruin and trash, and, and it looks like a fallen civilization. That's what it looks like. And so instead of the logical thing would be, maybe we should fix that first before we give away billions and billions and I don't know, I, I I've lost track. Billions to Ukraine in this dumb, stupid, uh, opportunistic way that our elites, especially in the EU, but also in America, are saying like, well, we we need to like shut off our electricity if we have to. We need to starve. We need to freeze to death uh, in order to kind of stick it to Putin, right? And reminding me of this clip here uh, recently. Here's uh, Margareta Vest, Vestager, Vest, Vastager, maybe. Uh, she is the executive vice president of the European Commi Commission. And listen to how she frames this here. Speaking of like, nope, let's not fix our own situation. Let's not. Instead, let's pull back even further. Let's place ourselves in a situation where we basically can't even take uh, longer hot showers anymore. Because everyone is asking, what can I do? You can do two things. Uh, control your own and your teenager showers. And when you turn off the water, you say, take that, Putin. That's right. Priorities, am I right? That's what it's all about right there. <clears throat> As our uh, elderly are expected to freeze to death, take that, Putin. Uh, and look, I'm not a big fan of the invasion. We've talked and uh, tried to have a nuanced uh, view of this. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit here about the some of the latest updates in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. I just, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't support Zelensky <laughs> and the NATO West, but I also can't support uh, Putin with with everything I've seen, uh, especially more recently. Um, in the beginning, it looked slightly more. Uh, like not reasonable, but it looked like they had, okay, I understand why they're doing what they're doing kind of thing. But uh, <clears throat> our point has been, you know, we're pro the Ukrainian people, obviously, right? Uh, but to see how the Western forces are using, uh, you know, Ukraine and Ukrainians in their in this meat grinder against Russia, we've said no, no, no. They should don't supply them with more weapons and just have them fight. Don't 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 run in through the meat grinder. Uh, you, they should actually try to solve this with with diplomacy. I don't want to see more Ukrainians or white Russians dying, right? So that's the, that's the pointer. Um, but you know, so think of all the billions, right, being funneled into Ukraine, and meanwhile, this is what's happening on the streets of uh, of uh, Kiev. All right, I have one more of those. And look, it's not that, that they can't have fun or shouldn't have entertainment or stuff like that. But sometimes, you know, you look at the media and you think, oh, my God, a whole country is just in like, it's burning. It's being bombed <laughs> all over. Now, that's taken from just a few days ago and about a week or so back, I think it is. This was uh, this was another one, a, 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 a nightclub, I guess, in Kiev. Check this out.
They're having a, a billion dollar party over there in uh, in Kiev while uh, you can't even uh, heat your, uh, you know, <laughs> you can't even have hot showers and, and uh, heat your homes essentially soon, right? Zelensky made a comment too on the, uh, it, it's, it's funny when he gets asked about all kinds of weird things like, what do you think about the midterms election? Uh, <laughs> how do you think it's going to go? Do you think the uh, do you think you're going to continue to get more money? I, that's kind of the code word here is basically. Do you think you'll have like? Are you worried that that the 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 tap of just endless money will be cut off if other people get in uh, after the midterms? We have midterms coming, the midterm elections, and are you at all concerned about the balance of power and the continuing support from the U.S.? We, we of course, all these details will have influence on Ukraine. Yes, I follow, but that is the decision of uh, American people, and I don't want to, uh, e even if I can, even if I can, I, I, even if I could, I, I don't want to, to have any influence on this decision. <clears throat> so he's taking a more neutral view, but it's, I think it's funny that the guy is asking him, because you, the reason, I think, is that the programming in the West have been so hard-lined, right, for the support for Ukraine, uh, that they can piggyback now other issues on that. You see what I mean? The, the, the mind control, the propaganda has been so powerful and so effective uh, that now he's like, oh, okay, you need to vote Democrat in the U.S. to ensure that, you know, the Zelensky, uh, you know, campaign can continue and they can continue to get resources and money and weapons and all those kinds of things. Which, which brings me to uh, a little bit of an update here on, on the war, actually. We haven't talked, we haven't followed that in detail over the last couple of months, really. But apparently right now, uh, Ukraine is mounting a, uh, and yes, that's this is their words, a blitzkrieg, a counteroffensive uh, around the uh, Kharkiv region. Uh, and apparently they've gained a lot more ground back from Russia, and they're claiming that Russian forces have left. And I'm not saying it's fake, but you have to always take the, uh, everything that you hear with a grain of salt. I remember in the beginning it was like, Ukraine is winning. They're, they're, they're beating you know Russia. And they, it didn't look like it if you actually looked at... Uh, some of the uh, on on the ground kind of kind of footage, right? So anyway, now they claim just as an update to the situation that uh, uh, the headline here is uh, Russia's rigid forces collapse to audacious lightning Ukraine counteroffensive. This is from Channel Four. Uh, check out this; it's just kind of kind of interesting. I'm not sure if it's just it's also like a a narrative change that. Is it to boost morale? Obviously, this is to boost morale in the, you know, in Ukraine and stuff like that. That's understandable. But I'm also thinking it's like to boost morale in the West. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm sure this happened and all that stuff, right? But it's like to show the Westerners that like, look here, it's paying off. They're 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 gaining some ground now. Ground now. They're winning. It's it's going great for us. What do you think? Check this out. Krieg offensive, a success. Let me go back because you got to hear that word. It's <laughs> this is uh, <clears throat> red meat here for the uh, for the anti-fascist uh, 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 Russia people here, right? <laughs> the hell can I go back? Please, can I go back? Here we go. Check this out. A blitzkrieg offensive, as successful as it was surprising. The Ukrainians say it's gone quote better than expected. <laughs> and she agrees. Thank you, she says. There's a warm breakfast waiting for you. The flags that fly around Kharkiv are Ukrainian once more. Russian forces, for now, caught by a counteroffensive, this area of northeastern Ukraine, liberated.
In just five days, Ukrainian forces have retaken more territory than Russia had taken since April. Mounds of munitions lie left where their owners fled. So swift was the Russian retreat. They didn't even have time to finish their lunches, according to Ukraine's most senior soldier. What these soldiers of social media are documenting, says President Zelensky, could be a defining moment in this six-month-old war. Zelensky is saying here for the podcast audience, I believe that this winter is a turning point and it can lead to the rapid de-occupation of Ukraine. We see how the Russian forces are fleeing in different directions. If you are a little stronger with weapons, we could reclaim territory faster. So that's a, always a call, of course, to more weapon and more arms, right, by Zelensky. The major offensive had been on Kherson in the south. But since the beginning of the month, Ukrainian forces launched an audacious strike with lightning speed around Kharkiv, capturing an estimated two and a half thousand square kilometers in just a few days. But overnight, they pushed further still, so far north of Kharkiv that troops are just 50 kilometers from the Russian border. In the east and southeast, retaking the villages of Vasilenkovia and Artemyivka. In all, a further 500 square kilometers in just 24 hours, according to Ukraine's most senior commander. And within this territory, the towns of Kubiansk, Balaklia and the region around Izm, areas critical to Russian supply routes. So significant are the losses, a rare admission from the Russian state, though this is a strategic regrouping, not retreat, they claim. Yeah, let me see what he says here, a little bit more of this clip here. He says, in order to achieve the goals of the special military operation to liberate Donbass, a decision was made to regroup the Russian troops stationed in the Balkaya and Izum regions, which it's which is probably true, uh, to be honest, but it looks like they left a little sooner than than they would have wanted to, maybe? It's so, it's so hard to watch any media in the West. It's hard to watch Russian, uh, of course, as well, because they have their own... Uh, propaganda. I mean, anything who anybody who doesn't recognize that that both uh, sides will fight a a, a gay op info war is is delusional, obviously, right? So it's so hard to know. On one end, I can I can see how this would be largely kind of um, manufactured in 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 the West and and with Ukraine help to to a certain extent. Uh, to to try to drive morale, and again, I think to justify the money, to justify the weapons that the West is giving, to justify the fact that they're asking us to basically change our lifestyle uh, and, and and potentially freeze to death and starve to death come winter here, because we're now pro-Ukraine. The the same people that are replacing our people in our countries, the same people. If you look at the NATO forces, that sides like you know against a. Uh, uh, you know, a, a Western Christian Serbia. Or they, you know, they side uh, always with the with the wrong guys, or they they fight, uh, they fund and supply ISIS with uh, with resources. You know, things like that to fight Assad. Right, that side who's who's like constantly undermining us in the West and targets 
nationalistic groups, nationalistic sentiments, it's an endless gay propaganda war to replace us and these kinds of things, is now like this super gung-ho, like pro-Ukrainian siding with, you know, um, you know, super hardcore nationalistic, uh, you know, factions. And, and that's great that they're there. I'm not trying to shit on them. That, that's great. They do their thing. But it gets kind of, at the very least, it gets kind of suspicious. You know what I mean? I, I made the argument that imagine if all of a sudden the U.S. military or the Department of Defense or NATO starts like fund. You know, we have a conflict in Sweden, let's say, and they start funneling arms and and resources and start training like the the Nordic resistance movement or something like that, right? People would be like, "Wait a minute, what's go- <laughs> what's go- what's going on? How how the hell did this happen?" And it feels like there's some people still out there that can't that can't get past that because they're so like you know super pro you know Ukraine and nationalistic. And ultimately, I wish them well. I'm I'm kind of glad that they're taking back some of this territory and stuff. I'm I'm trying to be nuanced about it, but I I just can't lose sight of the bigger picture of how perfectly this conflict and the consequences around this was weaved into the already ongoing narrative of shortages of you know fertilizer shortages and stuff like that and if you want more details of that of just how the conflict at least in the early days ties into the bigger picture check out this video i did up in the in the member section it's uh we didn't do a weekend warrior the show i did this one instead it's a breakdown of a uh, talk given by kind of a mainstream geopolitical guy called peter zihan he's he's yeah, zion zihan he um he's like you know, like uh, Mitt Romney recommends his books and, you know, stuff like that. He's like very mainstream, but there's some interesting things that he brings into that. And he basically talks about the collapse and, and, and about the end of globalization, which, of course, also is actually a great time of opportunity. But that's really how it ties into the Ukraine situation, that there's like another layer kind of on top. Where did the video go here? Uh, of 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 the co- It's not just like the conflict. It's It's the conflict, but then it's like how that ties into the bigger picture. Uh, in a way. Um, and it could be an opportunistic uh, time, you know, they jumped on this. Uh, but some people argue, and I uh, some days I tend to agree that there's much more to it than that. It's This is not just, uh, you know, two, two sincere sides uh, fighting uh, that are looking out only for their own interest, but there could be some other larger uh, things at play here. You never know. Uh, it's It doesn't take away the reality for the people on the ground, though. Let, let's c- continue just a little bit more with this clip here and see how they round this up here. Ukraine says thousands of Russian troops have been killed or captured in recent days, all part of a carefully crafted campaign, they say, to lure forces to the south, counter in the north, and confound Russian commanders on the ground too scared to make dynamic decisions. Ukraine attacked on multiple directions and using very quick decisions and our commanders on the field they have a lot of initiative and they are very autonomous and that is completely opposite to what uh, is in Russian army which is very rigid and a kind of a Soviet style army that's why they collapse so quickly because uh, they just can't react in Zaporizhia Europe's largest nuclear power plant has now been quote completely stopped. Shelled in recent months, power lines were restored last night, enabling the sixth and final reactor to be shut down. Now, I know that they jumped on that and they played a lot of uh, you know, games with that in the beginning, right? Zelensky was like, oh my God, that's the, another Chernobyl is going to happen. Give us you know, f- money now. Do a no-fly zone, which is like, all right, that would mean like full-on you know, nuclear war with Russia at that point. And it's like, it, is that really worth it? I think... 
again, to, to try to elaborate on, on, I think, a nuanced view you can have on this conflict, I think the Donbass and the Luhansk, uh, you know, strife, the, ba- the battle over that makes sense from, from the point of view of Russia, right? Of like, um, you know, because, I mean, you go back to 2014, uh, Ukrainian forces have been shelling those areas. There's been war there for such a long time. And so that's like understandable and justifiable. But then, you know, when they go around to other parts and they, they raise their hammer and sickle flag and sickle, sickle, yeah, sickle, cell, uh, sickle. Um, they're commie flags. You know, I look at that and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I, I, I don't see how you can be 100% Russian as I don't see how you can be 100% Ukrainian because of the, the sides that are like bad duking it out, uh, in, in Ukraine. It's, it's, uh, I think you can have a balanced and nuanced view because it's, a, it's, it's complicated. It, it's not just, you know, black and white. Ultimately, I, I, I wish the people of Ukraine uh, the best, as I wish the best for for the Russian people, and I, and I think the, in the eastern regions of Ukraine, it's like yeah, maybe they should, maybe Russia should have annexed those portions. Then, like if if they if Ukraine is at war with those areas, well, let's you know, after the war, then like divide that up and give those to Russia then for their control or whatever, or have some voters. This is not new. This has happened a million times before. You have. Uh, New lines of new nations being carved up. It happened in Pakistan and India and stuff like that. And now, of course, they try to, you know, blame the British for that. It's their fault, and that's the reason. But, um, you know, it's like there's a there's a natural organic way that that there arises in, in a nation and the division of a nation uh, or, or different regions. But it can be it can be one nation still, right? But then you get like to a point where like, all right, you get you you have to do something to solve it. And you basically have to, okay, you go over there, you go here, here's the line. And like, yes, that's a difficult and tumultuous period. But in the long run, I, that's got to be one of the better ways, right? Give different people um, ethnic territories instead of avoiding the, the nonstop bloodshed, right? Uh, but the point is, Ukraine made a lot of dumb moves, and we've been over and over that. A lot of dumb moves, and they were kind of encouraged by the West to, like, you know, poke, poke the bear, poke Russia, you know, and then paint them into a corner and then the conflict blew up, right? Uh, anyway, the point of, at the end of the day, we as a people, wherever we are now, uh, suffer more. And the elite, uh, you know, we suffer more, we get less, and the elites uh, can laugh at us and they get uh, they get way more. They get more and more. Uh, okay, so anyway, that's kind of the clip there. And some people made a comparison to, to the situation in... Uh, Azerbaijan and Armenia, which of course is another kind of interesting conflict that's happening right now as well. And I saw this meme uh, going around where everybody's willing to line up, at least in the West, uh, to help Ukraine and support the Ukraine with means and resources, money and training and weapons and all kinds of things. But it's awfully, awfully quiet about uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan, isn't it? Here's an alleged video of Azerbaijani forces, again, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, but allegedly, this was the uh, the title to the video, uh, Azerbaijan uh, military is tying an Armenian skull to the back of a military vehicle. I 
All right. So again, take that with a grain of salt. You never know that this is war. It could be a gay op and it's completely false or whatever. But you never know. It could be the real thing. And we have seen a lot of drones now being supplied by Turkey to the Azerbaijan side, uh, destroying uh, Armenian, uh, uh, you know, uh, soldiers and, and uh, positions and stuff like that. Uh, and very few are lining up to help Azerbaijan, uh, sorry, Armenia uh, for some reason. And you think that they'd be interested in helping them, um, but no, it doesn't seem like it. And we haven't talked about it in a while, but uh, there's also this is also kind of a proxy type thing, right? You have Russian interest in that region, uh, then you have Western interests, but uh, as usual, it looks like they're siding uh, with the, in my view, uh, the wrong guys. We should stand up for uh, for Armenia in this case, and we're going silent on that mostly in the West, which is which is uh, uh, a damn shame if you ask me. And of course, they've been subjected to so much bullshit throughout history as well with the Armenian genocide and these kinds of things. And Turkey was always had it out for them, right? And uh, we should be uh, you know just stopping that, helping to stop that. Then, but no, no, not on that thing. Not, nothing, you know what I mean? Uh, this is another conflict right now as well. I'll tie this together. We're gonna we're gonna drift into talking about the situation in the UK a little bit too. I want to show some stuff, some additional stuff that's come out about the uh, Windsors and the Royal House, the Queen's passing and the uh, the uh, ascendancy of King Charles III. Uh, and then kind of tie, that, tie our bag back together to how we kind of begun here as well a little bit. Uh, and the attack really on, on West, but it's just to focus on just how much resources and stuff is being spent on these conflicts now where, where we who are l having virtual war zones in our own territories are expected to just like concede and give up and back down and not improve our uh, our civilization, our countries. We should just like give everything up. Uh, it's crazy if you ask me. Uh, Greece informs allies of Ukraine style war looming with Turkey. Oh, great. Really? With the Queen of England's death, as well as the EU energy crisis topping headlines, followed by enduring Ukraine war, too few in the West seems to realize that a major crisis has been brewing in the Mediterranean, which could see two NATO members enter a shooting war. Somebody in chat now, by the way, is, is Armenia. Armenia is not a NATO member, right? Obviously not. I, I don't think so, anyway. Greece has taken the unprecedented step of informing NATO HQ, the EU and the UN, that a Ukraine-style war is looming with Turkey. The two have been long locked in disputes over maritime rights, the status of Greece's Aegean islands and airspace violations. The letter from Athens sent earlier this week blasts Turkish leader Recep Tayyip Erdogan, growing, uh, his growing war rhetoric, which had uh, expressly threatened Greece in a weakened speech. We may come down to... Uh, we may come down suddenly one night. That's a quote from him, I guess, there. Uh, and that the and that the price will be heavy. Erdogan has accused Athens of militarizing islands off Turkey's coast in contravention of historical th treaties. The formal letters to Europe and the UN denounces Turkey's, open, uh, Turkey's openly threatening and inflammatory statements. Citing contents from the letter, the Associated Press underscore the seriousness of the situation comparing tensions to Russia-Ukraine levels just prior to the Russian invasion. Here's the uh, passage from the letter here. Greece's government has written to the country's NATO and European Union partners and the head of the United Nations, asking them to formally condemn increasing aggressive talk by officials in neighboring Turkey. 
and suggesting that current bilateral tensions could escalate into a second open conflict on European soil. In the letter, copies of which, uh, which were seen by, sorry, which were seen Wednesday by the Associated Press, Greek Foreign Minister Nikos Dendias said the behavior of this of his country's historic regional rival and NATO ally should be censured by the three bodies by not doing so in time or by under, uh, underestimating the seriousness of the matter, we risk witnessing again a situation similar to that currently unfolding in some other parts of our continent. He wrote in an allusion, uh, yeah, allusion to the war in Ukraine, this is something none of us would really wish to see. Uh, anyway, and, and time and time again, of course, Western NATO allies and stuff have sided like with, uh, with Turkey in the conflicts, and I'm sure it's the same. I'm sure they would go to war and bomb Greece in some cases, right? That, that's that's how insane this is. And we're, we're always, the West always kind of ends on the, on the, on the supporting the wrong side in a way, or, or, or doing too much or doing too little. It's just, you know, it, it's just very strange if you, if you, uh, if you ask me on you know, how the parse is. But anyway, something to be aware of um, as we uh, switch over here a little bit to our topics. But, um, yeah, now the conflict might be brewing, and of course, it's it's chaos and uh, war drums are being beat, beaten everywhere, essentially, which is not good. Uh, I don't want to see Greek, uh, Greece, and Turkey go to war, uh, and, and I'm sure I sh I'm sure I know which side the West would parse on at this point. Uh, anyway, over to the Netherlands, and then we'll talk more about the situation in Britain, and go back to a little bit of some of the topics towards the end of that segment of where we started here today. Netherlands sets aside hundreds of millions of pounds to pay slavery reparations. Yes. Uh, really? Is this is this that <laughs> they're like decommit they're, they're like dismantling their farms and, and everything is going to shits. And this is what they're gonna I don't know. Okay. Dutch Minister Mark uh, Prime Minister Mark Rutte said the Black Lives Matter movement had made him think differently about the topic. The Netherlands has set aside hundreds of millions of pounds to pay reparations for slavery. Next year, the nation will set up a fund worth 174 million pounds, which is the equivalent of today's value, about 200. I'm sorry, uh, what am I saying here? Yeah, euros, euros. I'm, I'm saying I use dollars. That's. Uh, 174 million pounds, that's about 200 million euros, while apologizing for its role in the slave trade. The country's fund marks the 150th anniversary of the abolition of slavery in the Netherlands, while, of course, it's continuing in other parts of the world, but let's not focus on that. Let's just squeeze more money out of, uh, out of white people. And so it all this comes, comes down to White guilt at the end of the day. This is happening because of white guilt. If we didn't have white guilt, this wouldn't be happening. That's why it's so important to break that, that talisman, that mantra, uh, that psyop they're holding over us. It comes despite Dutch Minister Mark Rutte previously hitting back at calls for a national apology. He changed his stance during a recent trip to the former Dutch colony of Sur Surne Surname, Suriname, Suriname. Speaking during the visit on Monday, Mr. Rutte said his outlook on slavery had really changed. Oh, really? So he was pro-slavery before, now he's against it? Or how? <laughs> It's like, okay, it's not your problem, man. Everyone's doing it. They're still doing it in some part of, part of the world. Why don't you talk about that? 
instead of instead of whipping out your uh, the nation's checkbook and and now forking out bun bunch of money. Adding that it's a topic we really need to talk about, he said. Even though no no one lives from that time anymore, that has really changed for me. He said his position comes partially because of the whole discussion that had risen around the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, Mr. Rutt, get this guy out of there. Can you can can you get can we get him out of there? This World Economic Forum, global, sh the shill, this puppet. Can we get him out of this situation? Mark Rutte continued. That really made me think differently about it. Next year will mark the 150 uh, years from when it was abolished. Those are huge topics. We need to talk about them. Well, don't stop. Stop. Uh, you, you talk about them all day long, but stop forking out the the checkbook here and 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 the billions, <laughs> hundreds of millions of euros or pounds. Stop it. Even though no one lives at that time anymore, it's still an unfinished chapter. Uh, no, it's not. We don't owe we don't owe anybody shit at this point. Again, considering the let me let me just let me just pull it up here. We covered it in great detail. We've we've talked about the reparations thing. Check out this one, like collectively. Check out this video if you didn't see it yet. African aid, the largest wealth transfer in history. We we've paid five trillion collectively from the West to Africa. It's the largest wealth transfer in history. We've done more than enough. Let's, let's not even talk about what happened in those colonies, the infrastructure that's still in place. And in many regards, we left them way better shape than before. This is insane. So anyway, so that brings me to this story because it goes right in line. Uh, the uh, and it's like it's it's easy as well, right? It, all it's the path of least resistance. Utilize white guilt and talk about slavery and say, well, like, well, what about the white people that were enslaved in other parts of the world? Are we going to get money from Turkey, the Ottomans? You know, we're we going to get uh, money from the uh, what would the, the closings be? Moroccans, maybe now the Algerian Moroccans, right? For the Barbary slave trade? Can we? No, no, they're pre they're pretending that it's only white people that enslaved other non-white races, and that's that. They're arguing that we just murdered indiscriminately millions of people because of just because of the sadistic pleasure of it. That's really the cartoonish version of, the, of, of history. This is the, that's a straw man being laid up here, right? So, of course, going over to uh, the ascendancy of King Charles the, the Third. After after the death of Queen Elizabeth II, that of course had to be front and center on some programs, uh, um, uh, you know, talking points and their their uh, discussion here. Uh, CNN's Amanpour demands King Charles III address reparations and justice in the wake of Black Lives Matter. Only days after Queen Elizabeth II's death. Christian Amanpour demanded that the new mon monarch contend with Britain's colonial legacy. Check this out. This is good stuff here. Max, I oh, let me go back here. There we go. Max, I really do believe that we have to have this conversation right now, even at this moment. There's different demographics. Different people were looking, listening well, exactly. for different and reasons. And look what he said. In the 70 years of her being on the throne, many cultures and many faiths have flourished in these past seven decades. But there is an ongoing, particularly in the wake 
of Black Lives Matter, particularly in the protests that, that erupted all over the world after what happened in, in Minnesota, here as well in France, in other parts of these nations that had colonial... It, it's literally like the, the, the me-George me Floyd argument here. That's, that's what they're whipping out. England and the white people of England needs to pay because of George Floyd. That's that's what <laughs> I mean. I, I know they're blaming the his, history and the colonial past and all that stuff. It's like, can we tally up what the British actually did for many of these countries as they built the infrastructure, as they civilized them, they told them where they were in relation to the rest of the world, helped them with with uh, accessing resources. I mean, for hundreds of thousands of years, no no one did anything with it. All of a sudden, white people show up and like, hey, this we can let's use this. We'll uh, we'll build up your infrastructure. We'll give you government. Right? We'll give you laws. We'll give you civilization <laughs> in, in a way. Right? And it's like, should they should have done it? Should they not have done it? Yeah, okay, sure. You can have that discussion. Part of me feels like, you know, it would have been better if we just stayed out of there. But at the end of the day, all of those people right now that are complaining and joining into these discussions of having the Netherlands or England or whatever countries it is, the UK paying reparations as a, as a uh, you know, as, as because of the colonial past of these nations are all enjoying the fruits of colonialism. They're enjoying the fruits of European and Western civilization and the discoveries that we brought, all the technology that we brought these people, everything that they benefited from. If these people really believe what they talked about, they would decolonize their lives right now and they would give up on all the things that evil Western colonial civilization had brought them. Will they do that? Of course not. Again, back to the point. It's the path of least resistance. Whine and bitch and complain and scream and holler and then maybe you'll get something at the end of it. It's, it's literally you don't have to do more. Just complain. Just compl just whine and open your mouth and type. do, do some tweets, whine, blah, blah, blah. And, and you have the potential prospects of hundreds of millions of pounds trickling down from the magical, you know, the magical people that just uh, produces wealth, uh, who, who stole it out of out of uh, out of nothing, right? Servants, let's face it, people were in service to this empire. The wealth of this empire was derived on the back of the people of the of 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 their empire. The Equally, as I said, those people benefited from that as well. They're reaping the fruits of that collectively now. Right, on display everywhere and in the crown and everywhere. So what we're saying is that there are, there is the generation of multicultural and diverse Britons who want this answered, who want to see their monarch. They want more money. Talk they about want money, what it folks. Means and what, you know, potentially the idea of reparations, definitely justice, right? Justice. And I think Prince Harry, and you know this better than me, sorry, Prince William, who's the Prince of Wales and the heir, the next king, he talked about it, having been criticized for a trip that he made in the Caribbean, and again, a colonial legacy, um, that we must have this discussion and it must be up to those countries. But it also has to be had in this country as well. All right. There we go. That's Amanpour. Great, uh, great lady. Love that. <coughs> Love that gal. Good stuff. And of course, there's uh, Don Lemon joining in there. Oh, well, oh, well, because of demographic, because we've replaced them now. That's literally one of the arguments, right? Because we've replaced them now, we should get we should get money. <laughs> give us money because demographics give us give us reparations because uh, because whites are becoming a minority. OK, that makes that makes total sense. So we have to 
you know, build up their infrastructure. They have to benefit from all the colonial labor. We produce those things to bring those things to them. They benefit from that. They live under those conditions. They accept it. Otherwise, it would renounce it and say, we don't want this. This is colonial legacy, right? Let's let's go back to where, how we used to be. And then they're being brought to our countries as payback, right? And they're, they're, they're enjoying the systems in our countries now because of colonialism and racism. <laughs> Uh, but of course, going back to the point we talked about last Friday, uh, the the, uh, the Queen uh, did nothing to change any of this. Under her reign, you oversaw a Britain and England. We talk about Britain overall, then the UK going from what ninety seven percent white or something like that to like now being becoming minorities in their in their own capitals. I don't know if all the latest statistics, but it differs a little bit. Some people say, what, 75% white now or something like that, uh, generally over, over all of the UK. It was a good post by uh, uh, the Fürgen over on uh, Telegram. Is that Elizabeth II's legacy granted royal assent to the Lisbon Treaty, handing powers to a foreign authority. Now, by the way, that's a very interesting symbolic thing. She signed her, uh, I think it was sheepskin or goat skin I think the leather parchment that she signed and stuff I did a whole breakdown at the time of the Lisbon treaty and stuff but anyway she oversaw a rise from 3% to over 13 there there we go thank you he, there there he has it I think that's more accurate than, than what I said then oversaw a rise from 3% to over 13% of the population of England and Wales being foreign born she knighted Tony Blair, among other uh, among other pieces of shit, after a significant string of crimes against Britain and humanity. Tony Blair was one of those guys who said he was going to stick it to the English right wing. Uh, and so he actively opened the borders. And again, keep in mind, all of this happened under her watchful eye. She didn't say anything. In fact, she was supportive of it. We'll get to that. She endorsed the dangerous and unnecessary COVID vaccine, vindicating the greatest global scam in at least 75 years. I tend to agree with that. And we have the uh, we have the screenshots of that as well. Here's one of the headlines. Queen urges people, let me remove that. Queen urges people to think about others by taking the COVID jab. <laughs> and of course, about diversity. Uh, she said, diversity is indeed a strength not a threat. And there it is. She oversaw this. She also endorsed the Central Bank of England, which through the control of money, uh, money supply oversaw inflation of over 1000% during Elizabeth II's reign. <clears throat> Despite what many want to believe, the Queen had the power to dissolve Parliament and oust the Prime Minister. She never did. Not when Tony Blair wrongly bombed Iraq, not when public utilities were sold to foreign interests, not when the Terrorism Act of 2006 reduced Britain's freedoms, not when consecutive governments oversaw the mass rape of young British girls, such as in places like Rotherham and Luton and all these other places. <clears throat> but sure, he ends here, if it makes you feel trad, keep glorifying an enemy. And that's, that's, that's really what it is. It's a, it's a symbol so I understand that people are emotional and they feel sad and stuff like that, especially if you are, you know, conservative, patriotic person in, in England. But the harsh reality is these are, these are, they're, they're right up there with everybody and, and ensuring that it just continues. And in fact, in cases, not only that, by not saying anything, in some cases, they, they full on encourages it. 
which takes me to the next headline. Queen supports Black Lives Matter, says senior royal representative Sir Ken Olsa, first black lord lieutenant for London, reveals he has been uh, he has talked about racism with the royal household. And of course, what happened right after the queen died? Well, BLM was out in a in a clear signature, a marker uh, of a disrespect, if you will, against uh, all, all the English people and the, the Queen. Look at this. A lot of people are here today because the Queen has died. You know what's normal? Dying of a natural death at 96 years old. Do you know what's not normal? A 24 year old black man being murdered by the police. That ain't normal. This is the yeah so we need to live we it's your fault we're not living longer that's what i hear, hear right there <clears throat> here's the uh, uh check out this little segment here this is from uh, the economist what to expect from king charles iii uh, and of course the economist rothschild publication and of course we'll uh we'll return to that a little bit listen to listen to this argument here uh, Particles over on the uh, interview says, uh, Hail Red Eyes, would you consider asking Ice Age Farmer back on the show? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to get him back on. I know he's really busy. He's working hard over there, does good work, uh, but I'd love to. Not a bad idea. I'll definitely extend uh, another invite. Uh, thank you, Particles. Check out this here. The the narrative here that it's like this. Well, we've we changed. Well, we've changed your def demographics now. So now you can't you can't have the things that you used to have. They're they're literally using that as a, as like a gotcha kind of argument. Of like, well, it's not the same. It's not the same Britain now. And so you know we get a you know some people call it for abolishing the monarchy and stuff. And it's like whoop de doo. If anything, I mean. Look, it's a symbol, so I recognize that, but at the same time, these, they, they, they stood up for nothing. They said no under when none of this changed. They've gone along with it. And in some cases, as we said, they've encouraged it, and they're part of the problem. More than years later, being accepted as a monarch in Britain isn't quite so easy. Britain's population is wildly different now to when Charles's mother came to the throne. Britain was a kind of a stodgier place. It ate five times more cabbage when Elizabeth came to the throne than it does now. It's much more international. It's much less white than it used to be. <clears throat> stodgier. And someone in Britain next that is that is just a full-on... She's saying that as an insult, does she not? Stodgier? Maybe someone in Britain in chat could, could, could clarify that for me. Charles's mother came to the throne. Britain was a kind of a stodgier place. It ate five times more cabbage when Elizabeth. Oh, they oh they ate cabbage. Oh, oh no, oh my, oh my God! Thank God for the the Indian curries that were brought in. Thank God for the you know tikka masala and the uh, korma. Came to the throne than it does now. It's much more international. It's much less white than it used to be, and it's much less religious. So Charles has oh, so to just, it just happened. It just happened by its yeah. Just that's just what it is now. To appeal to everyone in Britain, and that is a very different Britain to the one that his mother took over. <laughs> and then look at the look at the footage they're showing. <laughs> look at the footage they're showing. Much less white than it used to be, and it's much less religious. So Charles has to appeal to everyone in Britain, and that is a very different Britain to the one that his mother took over. Mm-hmm. Charles's coronation will be a civic ceremony, but also a religious one. 
as king. And they try to argue, you know, again, how important it is and he how religious he is and stuff. And he's like a new age earth worshiper, this guy. He's like pushing the World Economic Forum line. He's pushing the Great Reset. He's pushing uh, global homo environmentalism in order to gain more control and stuff like that. And then at the same time, he's like pushing, oh, well, I'm I'm super religious and it's very important to me. But he, look at it. He's uh, also this, but I'm also super multicultural. I mean, I'm, I'm a king for everyone now. Look at, look at this. Head of the Church of England, the country's state church. As heir, Charles made a point of supporting a range of different faiths. He visited places of worship like his mother did, and he did more, openly learning from other religious texts. Like other sacred texts, the Quran offers some profound and perceptive understanding. And now... Yeah, the, the Quran is really a <coughs> really great addition to a British society. He has a new title. Charles is not. It, it, it's not like it's not like England ever ruled the world or anything like that. It, it's not that they were like not at the top of the <laughs> of the hierarchy at some point. It's they, they definitely have to adopt more uh, kind of third worldism uh, to to uh, become more spicy. A defender of the faith, the monarch is the defender of the Anglican Church. Now, Charles, at one point, relatively radically said that he wanted to be known as defender of faith. Mm, yeah. In other words, defender of religious belief in general, as opposed to of Anglicanism. The fact that Charles even considered describing himself as defender of faith is a clear sign that he intends to be an inclusive monarch mm, and yeah. one who is conscious of the great variety of the nation over which great. he's Yeah, it's just great variety now. Yeah, thank you. Charles may not go so far as becoming Britain's first official interfaith king, but he is likely to continue the strong support he showed for other faiths as a prince. Just every every fucking time. Uh, here's the guy who's uh, who's in charge right there. That body language right there <clears throat> says everything. I thought Prince Charles was kind of tall. Am I am I right on that? I think he's. Let me, let me, let me see if I can find that. So does that Prince? Oh my God, it's gonna take getting used to. Uh, height. Let me see here, King Charles. The third height. Let me see. <laughs> I can find anything on that. What? Okay. Sorry, I was wrong. Shit. 5'10? Ooh, 5'10. I thought it was like, you know, it's like Pro Prussian uh, Germanic stock. It was like 6'4 or something. Like some weird, you know, one of those reptile. 5'10? All right. Okay. Well, there you have it. If that's true, then 5'10. Okay. So he's not that tall then. I thought like Evelyn de Rothschild here, which is the guy poking him in the chest right there. That says everything, that picture right there, by the way. Uh, I thought he was like, shit, he's like 6'7 or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess not. He's like, what, 5'11 five, five, then? <laughs> if Evelyn de Rothschild is 5'11 max? I don't know. Nah, a little bit more. Maybe, th what is that, four, four inches? Yeah, I got him. He's probably like six feet. Evelyn de Rothschild. Look at that body language there. Look at that. Imagine poking King Charles right in the chest. You do what I tell you, bitch. That's what I'm seeing from this here. It's like big lizard, little lizard. <clears throat> oh my god! Uh, but no, this is the. the I mean, the, there's some of them that that tr they're true. They're true believers. They are true believers. I think if uh, King Charles the Third would uh, go on and do anything, it would be uh, to play a lot of emphasis on uh, what the World Economic Forum have called the Great Narrative, 
which I think is the rewriting, uh, you know, kind of of, of of the story of humanity, as so many have talked about, both Harari and um, Klaus Schwab. Uh, but I think picking up and joining that, you know, the climate thing, the kind of the weird disattached earth worship stuff that they have. And it's not that they venerate environment. It's very de detached. They, they, you know, Agenda 2030 is about driving people off the land, like get into cities, you know, get all, get off. You know, they, we'll worship the earth between a, with a glass wall, like a museum. That That's kind of the approach they have more. But I can see him... Um, be a big supporter of like the Abrahamic uh, house in Saudi Arabia where they're building three cubes right now. One church, one mosque, and one synagogue. Have you, have you guys seen that? But he plays into this a little bit too, and hence why I showed the previous picture there, uh, that some of these people also believe in British Israelism. It's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, you look at the the lion and all that stuff, and they believe that they're, uh, you know, that we, we're we, we the real Israel Israelis. And anyway, we don't have time to go into that now, but look that up. There's some interesting uh, stuff on there, and, it, and it's not well. Well, that's not true, and it's more interesting. Like, well, do they be, do they believe it? That's the more important thing, right? Might not be true, but if they believe it, they'll act like it's true, and you'll feel the consequences of it. Anyway, after all, King Charles is just human. Here he is getting upset with a pen. Look, I get it. He's <clears throat> under a lot of pressure. His his mama just died, so I get it. Right, but it's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, all right, so uh, yeah, so th th there's been a lot of uh, pomp and fun, 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 fanfare. What do you call it again? Fanfare is it the word? Um, a lot of ceremony around this. Uh, non-stop coverage. She was uh, the the queen was up in Scotland. They're flying the casket down. It was a big. Uh, thing where she was uh, dr driven into Buckingham Palace for the last time. Now they're having a ceremony. Is it in, uh, I assume it's in, the, is this Windsor Castle? Where is this here? Anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go through all this here, but uh, <clears throat> someone was like arguing they'll take out William and, and maybe Kate, and then they put uh, uh, Harry and Meghan, <laughs> Meghan in there. Next, next round, we'll see how long, uh, we'll see how long Charles uh, toughs this one out. It'd be very interesting to see, to be honest. But uh, anyway, not really much to show about this. I just want to show you some of the the pictures, and of course, it's all this. Well, uh, you know, um, Harry's he's the he's he's the better guy, and it's all multiracial with him, and he's replacing you know his kids with uh, these mixed race people, so he's better than the other guy, and blah blah blah. That's the same kind of stuff over and over again. It's not a big surprise there, really. Um, now, what I'm looking forward to, there's been a lot of you know ritual and ceremony already, and I kind of. I, I kind of enjoy the the symbolism of it. On one end, I enjoy it because it's as weakened as it is. Oh, look, there's the pedophile on the right there. As uh, as weakened as it is, this guy right there. Oh, we missed him. All right. Uh, as weakened as it is, it still holds some 
significance, right? At least symbolically. Then there's another layer of why they do certain things. I liked actually watching, you can go back and watch the 1957, is it? The coronation of Queen Elizabeth, which is kind of, it's interesting. It's it's fascinating in the way that they do this. And these are, you know, traditions and many other rituals and rites have been passed down for hundreds and hundreds of years. I think, though, that coming up here, uh, the coronation of King Charles, I think they're going to add in just like, and that's why I showed you some of those clips too, much more like current uh, and therefore much more dated themes, multiculturalism, the universalism when it comes to the religion, uh, we're, we're so diverse now kind of things. Anyway, so that's something to look out for because uh, it's always interesting with uh, with what they add in there and what they're programming with that. Uh, we don't know when the coronation actually will be yet. It turns out uh, that, uh, well, he ascended to the throne on the 8th of September, and it was formally proclaimed king on Saturday the 10th of September, just four days ago here. Uh, but his official coronation is going to be, people think, sometime in 2023. And same thing with uh, when Elizabeth came to the throne. It says here, um, Queen Elizabeth became sovereign in, interesting term, 1952. A coronation did not take place until more than a year later. The ascendance to the throne in February 1952. So I was off for a few years there. Okay, 1952. uh, And was formally crowned in June 1953. All right, so more more than a year. So that's we'll keep an eye on that. That's definitely something you know yeah, we'll uh, we'll tune into uh, and watch that that happens. And I suspect you're going to be get a so many people are tuning into things like that, and so they always take that as an opportunity, kind of like they do with the Olympics opening ceremonies and stuff like that. It's very highly ritualistic and and uh, ceremonial uh, and symbolic, and they're sending a lot of a lot of messages and stuff like that. Let me just put it at that right. Uh, Cody Miller says, I was thinking about going to Sweden in January to see my ancestral homeland. Is it worth uh, going or is Sweden pretty much not worth going to now? No, it's it's definitely worth going to. Never, never say, never say that, man. No, definitely. You just have to go to the right places. Don't go to Stockholm. Don't go to Gotham. You just screw the cities. You're going to get the one city is the same as all the, all the other ones now, to be honest. Very little as, as you know, is, is super, yeah, really unique and stuff like that. Which is sad to say. There are some areas, of course, I'm not going to say it's completely non-unique. Uh, but I'd recommend go to the countryside. Really enjoy the land. Get your, get your, you know, take off your shoes and put your feet on the ground, literally out there, and, and get out there. Um, if you have any, if you want any tips of places to go, um, I'd, I'd be happy to give you a couple of pointers. I'd go to old, uh, old sites, old historical sites in in Sweden. Uh, I'd go to just see the nature and get out far out away from the population centers and, and you'd be good in, in my in my view anyway. All right. Um, <clears throat> so what are we for time here? We're going to wrap up here soon then, but uh, let's tie it together with this real quick here. We're talking about England, right? We did a segment of Lord of the Rings. Um, many mythologies of Europe is weaved into the story of the Lord of the Rings. Of course, the Anglo uh, one, uh, but the Germanic one is one of the pre- preeminent ones. Uh, he studied Norse mythology. He studied the language of Norse um, cultures. He, Tolkien, that is, he studied uh, the Kalevala, the Finnish epic. He even uh, incorporated some Greek mythology and some Atlantean themes and things like this in there, right? Uh, Middle, East, Middle Earth, of course. The, the story of Bilbo was basically born in uh, uh, Västra Götaland, the, 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 the 
western parts of Sweden, uh, Goth, the land of the Goths. Uh, we showed some headlines on that on the segment that we have up. So, because of that, huge backlash, right? Because of this new uh, rings of power. <laughs> People didn't like it. I think it's wonderful. It's a lot of fun. I'm very proud of you guys for 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 doing for review bombing pushing back and, and 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 forcing them to respond in this way I think it's um, I think it's I think that's good Elijah Wood supports diverse rings of power cast after racism backlash the Washington Post it's funny right um, Elijah Wood and Lord of the Rings cast reunite to support diversity in rings of power after vile racist backlash you are all welcome here look at this image here they're lining up with like what looks like emoticon versions of like the different skin tones of of uh, of different ears. <laughs> yeah, they are. Oh my god, you're all everyone. Is, you are all welcome here. It's like Lord of the Rings is like a, a European epic, right? It's a it's a story. It's taken a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and and incorporated a magnificent story. And it and it's 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 for and by white people. Well, if the other people want to be included, they can write something of their own. <laughs> you do have your own Tolkien and write your story. That's that's fine. Uh, but no, of course, they have to nestle their way into ours and, and intentionally ruin it for us. Because again, going back to the main theme of today, the hatred for white people has has, has no. There's no end in sight, right? It has no limits, and as opposed to the open and, and hostile and despicable, dis, d- disgusting violence that we looked at in the beginning of the show. This is the more softer corner of this PSYOP and the replacement of like taking over our, our culture, uh, buying buying it, buying up the rights and then perverting it intentionally. They did that with Star Wars. They've done it with Lord of the Rings now. There's, there's so many others. I, I can't even think of them all now, but they've done that with like so many of them, right? Thor, of course, the Marvel, you know, the Marvel stories are, you know, deep uh, defaming. Is that the right word? Uh, defaming Norse mythology and the, 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 you know, with the Thor movies, complete garbage, right? So here's uh, the Lord of the Rings uh, on Prime. I think this is their Facebook account or something like that. J.R., thank you for speaking for J.R. Tolkien, uh, Amazon Prime. J.R.R. Tolkien created a world which by definition is multicultural <laughs> no as i said he was based on european mythology a world in which free peoples from different races and cultures join together in fellowship to defeat the forces of evil yeah they the orcs of white supremacy was defeated in jrr tolkien's uh, magical fantasy land that's that's totally it's totally an accurate interpretation of this. Rings of Power reflects that. Our world has never been all white. Fantasy has never been all white. Middle Earth is not all white. BIPOC belong in Middle Earth and they are here to stay. I think it's great that we push them to this, that they have to respond in this. In other words, we have them on the defensive. They're reacting to that. They feel the backlash. They're upset about it. And then they have to counter signal and make it even worse for themselves by trying to stake out this territory as some kind of multicultural paradise or whatever. Like, or, or like some, this is the, some great works of, of like uh, bringing all the races together and stuff. 
It's funny how none of the orcs were like non-white in uh, <laughs> in Rings of Power, <clears throat> but all the other ones were. It was it, it was created by a European for for Europeans. That's that's how I see it. It's really not rocket science. And if they want to create something else, go ahead, go ahead and write that. <laughs> it's, it's fine, right? And so this this brings us into a couple of other um, a couple of other um, stories that they've perverted recently, right? Uh, heartwarming reactions from black children to Little Mermaid's Haley Bailey proves why she belongs. Uh, so Disney, of course, released the <coughs> the Little Mermaid <laughs> recently here, and I think it had. Let me see here. Should we watch? We, we, let's see. If we can watch this trailer here real quick. Riveting, uh, oh, there it is. There it is, right there. That's the money shot. <laughs> totally, uh, totally appropriate. All right, so <clears throat> totally, uh, of course, uh, accurate. I'm sure Danish, what the hell is this? This is auto starting here. Shut up. Uh, I'm sure Danish author Hosi Andersen would be would be thrilled uh, seeing this kind of stuff, right? Because, of course, that's who wrote it, The Little Mermaid. That's Hosi Andersen. Uh, there's even a little statue to this day. Actually, it's not that little. Uh, in Copenhagen, in uh, on, uh, to honoring uh, the author. He did some great other works, too, by the way. Uh, um, Hosi Andersen, check out some of his stories. It's kind of like, a, if you like, you know... It's like you have the Grimm stories in Germany, then you have Jose Andersen in Denmark, you have even, um, what is Elsa Beskov, even to a certain extent, Astrid Lindgren, she did some good ones in Sweden, you know, there's some classic authors like that if you want to read uh, your kids some good stories, or some of them have been made into films too, and as long as it's back in, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, it's, it's usually okay, but now, of course, they have to make the point here, right? We need to make Ariel a black girl, it's so important for them, right? So again, we got a little backlash, and we had uh, about, let me see here, uh, right now, current standing, almost 2 million thumbs down on the official trail, trailer for The Little Mermaid. Uh, very proud of you guys. Thank you. This is, uh, this is great. Again, they have to respond. That's very good. Uh, put them on the defensive, <laughs> right? And actually, if you don't know about it, here is a plug-in. If you use Google Chrome or Brave, I use Brave, the web browser, uh, you can download a plugin at the Google, uh, at the Chrome store, Chrome web store, I guess it's called, uh, Return YouTube Dislike. And you can add that as a plugin, which of course is 
Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate uh, whoever did that. Very good. Uh, because, of course, they hid that and removed that to prevent us being able to see things uh, like this. So by far, more people are against it. This is it's very good. Right. This is I know this is just culture and really this is really nothing in comparison to the horrific videos that we showed early on in the show. But to come back around on that again, once again, this is also reflective of the fact that the winds are blowing uh, in our direction. People are sick and tired of this. They don't want they don't want this shit. Go do your own thing. These are our stories. If the, if every time there's been like a white, you know, character or something, um, or a black role, I should say, being played by a, a white character. There's like massive upheaval. I don't know that it happens that often, uh, to be honest. I, maybe there are like a couple of times. But imagine, I put it, put this on our Telegram, right? But imagine, imagine this. I, I, imagine the endless kvetching that would, <laughs> that would happen if you had a white blonde girl uh, as Pocahontas uh, in the latest Walt Disney uh, epic, right? Because have you know that's what this is. That's what that's what this is here. The replacement uh, of our characters and of our stories, and of course, white people uh, cannot have a representation anymore. So this is just a cultural aspect, but that's that's good because that's part of it as well. That's that's the kickback. Make them feel that that it's like this is this should not be easy for them, and they should uh, uh, feel uh, the loss of that. And and when they counter signal the, like this and this hard. Um, they have to reply, and hopefully, you know, they lose all those Disney Plus subscribers or whatever the hell it is, right? And I, we've seen waves and waves of that, in fact. Uh, here's another one, of course. They had to replace uh, the fairy uh, in Pinocchio's, uh, the story of Pinocchio, uh, with a, a black woman here, too. A black, bald uh, woman is, the, uh, <clears throat> is now the fairy uh, in... Uh, uh, in the uh, P Pinocchio story, <laughs> which of course is an, an Italian story. Hey, 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 hey. And I think same thing there. A lot, a lot of pushback uh, wasn't it didn't go that great for them. And they have to respond, right? But they're trying to justify. So this is wonderful. Is uh, Let me see here. Uh, who is it? Guel Guillermo del Toro. If you look at some of his stuff, it's the it's it's just a bunch. It's like ant. If I can summarize his works, is anti-fascist anti-fascist activism on steroids, right? Look like some look at something like uh, Pan's Labyrinth, right? It's Franco Spain and they're bad. Even The Devil's Backbone, which is one of his earlier films, is I think at exactly at the same time or taking place at the same time. Franco Spain, because for no reason whatsoever, you know, these dict dictators show up. Um, what is the other one? Uh, if you want a real, maybe I should do a review on that. Is it li uh, like water beyond like water? Let me see if I can find that. If you look at that one, holy smokes, it's like completely uh, degenerate. Let me see what the the shape of water. That's right. Check that one up. The shape of water. Uh, one of Del Toro's Gu Guillermo Del Toro's movies. The shape of water. I can't think of, you know, placed in like the 1960s, racism and white supremacy. And then it's this feminist, uh, you know, masturbator that has to like join with this new weird creature and stuff to like feel something. And it's, I, it, has, it has all the, the elements of, of like of his activist type of movies. Um, anyway, so check that out. 
there's a couple of couple of good ones there for you <laughs> if you want to see some hardcore propaganda. People love these movies. They they oh my god, it's such a beautiful story, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, so th these are more. That's more hard. That's to, to kind of deconstruct that. It's more not as obvious as like uh, you know making Ariel you know uh, black or the, the the mermaid or replacing all the uh, characters in Lord of the Rings. That's like the initial steps. But that's that's good. See, it's it's heading in the right direction for us. And uh, and we like that. That's that's very good. Odin's Raven uh, over on Entropy sends a five. Thank you. No uh, message attached to that. We have Archie. I'm in the mood to watch a remake of the 1986 TV series Shaka Zulu starring Dolph Lundgren as Shaka the King. There you go. Exactly. What what do you think would happen? Thank you, Archie. Uh, Glenn the Chinaman, good to see you, Glenn, says there are lots of historical fictions with supernatural and fantasy themes in East Asia. I watched a few of them with my dad as a kid. If you wanted representation, make your own mythology. Yes, exactly. Is that so damn hard? And and it's it's not like it's not there, as you say as well. Like it is there, which which makes it obvious that this is about like hijacking and perverting and taking over. That it's like a political endeavor, uh, an anti-white endeavor. Uh, it's not white people's fault if you can't make your own. That's right. I mean, the, the, this is the narrative now, Glenn. They, they're saying that you have to... They they take historical movies, they take historical concepts and things that we did in our nation, even before, you know, we were... Not that that's any better or justify it, that just because we're now multicultural, like they argue in the King, uh, King Charles III footage we watched there. They're like, well, now it's multicultural, so now white people can't have anything. Uh, but even when we were not, there's almost this, this expect they expect us to do everything for the rest of the world. Remember, the, there was a few stories a while back about how the filters on cameras were racist because they weren't developed with black people's skin tone in mind and things like this. Even the cameras themselves, like Hasselblad is like race, white supremacy. Like, yeah, because they... We developed it in our countries with our people, with our people in mind. Why should we have done something back in 1920s or 30s or in the, even in the 50s, 60s with the rest of the world in mind? But that's how absurd it is right now. It's like somehow, interestingly, it's almost like the fakeness of the white supremacy that they try to m maintain and that they try to argue is actually hinging on something real, which by which where they put white people to a different standard. There is a different expectation on white people, which is kind of interesting, actually, in a roundabout way when you <laughs> when you think about that. All right, last clip I want to play here. We're over time, so we're going to wrap up here. But uh, check out this. Here is a Israeli journalist. I forget his name now. We've played some clips. If Chad has it. Please, please let me know. Oh, we almost missed. Let me do this one real quick here, too. Uh, sorry about that. President, uh, what do we have here? President Obunga over on Odyssey says, King Charles III says, uh, says all hail St. Joe flow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. Thank you, President uh, Obunga. I appreciate that kind of you. We are going to watch the last clip here now, guys, with uh, the uh, <laughs> Joe flow. The... Um, the uh, the Israeli journalist, I think he's in the, the, in America now, though, talking about the, the the issue of Amalek and why it's being used as a code word. But that's, I think, the, in the extension you can look at and argue uh, these kinds of points as well. There's the the replacement of of Europeans um, and the replacement of white people and the continuous activism against us 
at least from some people's point of view, it's actually a religious uh, for fulfillment of prophecy. Listen to this here. But there are other messages that may be even sicker when they have people writing, I'm sending this mortar in your name. Everyone focus on completely wipe out any vestige of Amalek. And when you hear that word Amalek, that's not meant for your ears. That's meant for the ears of other Israeli Jews who understand Hebrew and have a grounding in the Bible and the Torah. And that's a code word. That's a dog whistle. It means to genocide, to break out for one second. In the Bible, this people spoken about, the Amalek, whether they existed or didn't exist, is a matter for archaeologists to debate. But the point is, according to the biblical narrative, these Amalek people are supposed to be so evil and so despised according to the narrative that Yahweh, God, instructs the Jewish people to genocide them, to kill every single one of them, men, women, children, and in fact, according to the biblical narrative, when there are kings of Israel who do not carry out a complete genocide and they only kill the men and not the women, the women and children, but not the cattle, they don't kill the cattle, and that's not enough, these prophets chastise these kings saying, you are not following God's wishes, you didn't fully genocide them. This is in the Bible. So it's not just left as some, you know, historical or mythological event. That would be bad enough, but it's trotted out every few years. And it's like a roving tag labeled, slapped onto any group of people that becomes the new rival, the new enemy of the Jewish people. So now the Palestinian people are being called Amalek. The Palestinian people are being, people are saying, when I say these people, I'm talking about top Israeli leaders and I'm talking about average Israeli citizens as well, calling Palestinians Amalek, saying that they should be genocided. What about the ruling Likud party and their affiliated youth group, Beitar? Well, this year, you know how they celebrated Holocaust Remembrance Day? Yom HaShoah? How they remembered the Holocaust? When they should have been remembering never again, never again a genocide, what did they do? They protested at the German embassy in Tel Aviv and said, remember what Amalek did to you. We will build a Jewish state that has no need for European morality. On the day that we should be saying never again to a genocide, he's calling for a genocide. Remember what Amalek did to you. That's y'all. Now the Germans are Amalek and now the Germans deserve to be genocided. This is the, uh, the leader of the official youth group affiliated with the ruling party in Israel, with the Likud party. Why don't you know about this? There you go. <clears throat> why don't you know about it? Maybe you do. Maybe some of you watching do. And that's, of course, why some people speculate that uh, this is a, also a religious kind of agenda weaved into that, an already really bad situation. Uh, and, of course, it should be argued as well. Somebody have the name of that guy? I forget his name. He's done some good stuff on on, on things, more more <laughs> definitely more honest. Um, but anyway, there are of course other activists, not just uh, uh, Israelis, but uh, actually Jews in America uh, that believe these kinds of things as well. There are pl plenty of uh, speeches by uh, uh, rabbis and other religious uh, Jews that have talked about this of destroying Amalek and stuff. And we've played you know a few of these clips in the past as well. We've done shows on it. Uh, people like Adam exposes this, of course, at great length. Uh, Adam Green. All right, guys, <clears throat> so with that in mind, but keep everything, uh, you know, keep in mind the main themes of today as well, <clears throat> and that is that the winds are turning, things are beginning to change, more of our people are beginning to speak up, which is step one. Next step is to begin to organize, next step is to take your own side, next step is to begin to cooperate, next step is to form communities, after that forming networks, friends, families, having kids, having large families. There's so many solutions at at, at our disposal at our hand uh, that no one should get uh, sad or blackpilled or downtrodden when we focus on these things we do it to make sure that you stay 
uh, active and vigilant and energized and, uh, uh, you know, full of energy, essentially, and willingness uh, to wanting to do something about this situation because it's, uh, it is bad and it is dire, uh, but it's far, far from over. Uh, the fight is just beginning, folks. So with that, we're going to wrap up right there. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate you. Check out RedEyesMembers.com if you haven't already. Get a membership over there. It's only 10 bucks a month if you sign up for a uh, longer subscription. We have from three months up to two years available. Uh, you get it much cheaper per month. It's down to $6.50, something like that per month if you get a two-year subscription. Uh, we have a couple of different methods by which you can subscribe. Uh, right now we have, uh, let me go over here. Where did that go? Oh, there we go. Right now, you can sign up over at RedEyesMembers.com, but also at SubscribeStar.com slash RedEyes. Uh, you can sign up over at Entropy Stream. Just uh, You can do a one-time payment there, or you can do a month-to-month -month recurring. Uh, they have that. You can also use the Cash App for now, at least. We're not banned from that. Uh, we also have an e-check option. If you're in the U.S., it's like paying a utility bill. Uh, we do accept crypto, uh, and we have a mailing address as well. So we prefer that method. So we appreciate you. We can't do this without your help. We need your support. We actually want to grow at this point as well. Uh, in spite, in light of uh, continuous uh, sabotage, and as I said in the beginning of the show, we'll talk more about that Friday. Uh, what happened there over the last days? <coughs> uh, <laughs> they just—they are not not giving up, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk more about that in detail. Uh, but I want to say thank you to our executive producers, T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Miller, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, and our latest three editions, Wild Rose Active Club, French 47, and Mark Smith. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you. And actually, we're uh, seeking to get about 20 executive producers in order to have the means to hire a full-time editor. We're seeking to do about 20 and I think that's a pretty good goal considering, you know, fees that Subscribestar takes and, you know, all these kinds of things that uh, is, is baked into the cake when you do these kinds of things. Uh, so, again, we need to hire a full-time editor in order to do more, produce better stuff, in order to do more shows, actually, and do more shorter, uh, you know, uh, cuts and clips of the longer shows that we do. Uh, we are overworked and undermanned, so if you want to help out towards that effort... Head on over to subscribeshow.com slash red ice. We do have an executive producer tier, uh, but we also have a producer tier. Uh, so if you feel so inclined, definitely check that out. Thank you so much, guys. We appreciate you. Thank you to everyone super chatting today and for your other support. Thank you to all our members out there as well. We do appreciate you guys. We'll be back with much more soon. Keep fighting. Stay brave. Keep in mind your ancestors are always, always watching. The fight is never over. It's just beginning Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for doing what you're doing out there as well. We appreciate you. We can't do this without you. Uh, it's with our people. Uh, that's the most important thing. As long as we have our people, everything else can be rebuilt. We can redo everything. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Do you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like Red Ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.